What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. For those of you that are watching, you can see I am in the Dallas Cowboys locker room at AT&T Stadium, and I got to talk with every single Big 12 head coach and many players. As you can see from the headline here, Oklahoma coach Brent Venables, quarterback Dylan Gabriel, defensive end Ethan Downs, they're all in this episode. This is our first of two that we're going to deliver to you coming from Big 12 Media Days. Let us know what you think about the comments, or I should say the content, in the comments below, on the IGs, on the Twitters, and we'll see you here in just a little bit. I'm pleased to be joined by Oklahoma coach Brent Venables. Coach, uh, first, feels so good for me to say that. Uh, I got to start there. When this job opened up and you were reached out to, what was your response? Like my response, like outwardly on the phone <laughs> uh, or to my wife once I hung up. Like, uh, no, it was, uh, you know, it was, um, it was a dream come true. Yeah. And um, it was a moment that I was, I felt very confident and comfortable in. Uh, be very honest, I was prepared for the moment mm. and uh, better be prepared for an opportunity that never comes than an opportunity that, you know, not to be prepared for an opportunity, you know, that does. And, um, and so uh, for me, I was, um, I was in strategy mode, you know, and so uh, if I'm taking you right back to that moment and, um, uh, you know, I've got a great comfort level for lots of reasons, um, you know, when uh, the interest was initially there and, you know, the, the number one reason is just because of relationships. I uh, started in this profession as a high school football player um, and Bob Stoops was at my high school, Salina South High, recruited me when I was 17 years old mm -hmm. and I've had a relationship with him ever since, you know, now I'm, you, you fast forward, so I got into the profession uh, as a player and 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 I found my my purpose uh, through the game and through relationships and and, and then 50, when I'm 51 I get my first head job at a place that um, he got his first head job and uh, he he helped um, guide me if you will uh, during that process during the initial interview process and multiple conversations uh, over the next several days and. I know I wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for his blessing, mm -hmm. I can assure you. And, uh, but that's how God works, you know, back when I'm 17 years old and, uh, and coming up through dysfunction, coaches were always a, uh, they, they bridged this gap that I needed, well, whether it's a father figure, whether it was uh, believing in yourself, whether it was, um, uh, you know, finding um, uh, something that you're passionate about and you're, you're purpose driven in. And uh, so 17-year-old version and bringing it uh, to 51, coming to Oklahoma. Uh, the alignment, as you know, at, at Oklahoma, it, doesn't, it takes a backseat to nobody from a leadership standpoint, from the very top at you know, Joe Harris to Joe Castiglione and uh, so many others in the administration, Zach Selman, Larry Nafee. And so I have this comfort level, a very clear vision for, you know, if, if I'm going to be successful, it's going to be because so many other people and processes that are in place uh, that is going to be why. And, and so whether that's players, uh, whether that's um, uh, having a history of success uh, financially, facilities, location, passionate fan base. So all these things that were most important to me and knowing, okay, when I, 
when you get one chance to be a head coach for the first time, and you, you, for me, as I learned, I was the baby of three boys, okay? So I always watched my brothers and their journeys. And if they made a mistake, I just kind of took note, you know? <laughs> I'm keeping receipts. <laughs> and, uh, and so I did the same thing as a coach, as a young coach. And I learned in the profession. And I had this coach that tried to give me some advice. He says, yeah, there's only two kinds of coach. I was a young guy, just a GA. Two kinds of coaches. This is me and him in the locker room. He's giving me some wisdom. And this guy had been at like 30 places, all right? And um, he says, there's only two kinds of coaches. Those that have been fired, those that are going to be fired. And I was insulted. I'll be mm. honest. I was, um, I was mad. And I'm, and in my mind, I didn't say anything. Yes, sir. That's all I said. Um, but in my mind, I was like, that's not going to be me. That doesn't have to be you. Mm. You know, surround yourself with good people, man. You keep your head down. Uh, try to be great right where your feet are. You can outwork people. You can outthink people. You can outsmart people. And you can make it happen. You know, you don't have to be that stat. That was my mindset. I'll never forget that. You know, another coach pouring. That wasn't the seed of uh, of belief, but um, but you know, for me, I, that that put my guard up. You know, immediately. And mm -hmm. and um, but I've uh, been a, a loyalist in um, at heart. You know, in this profession, I've been about relationships. I never want to let my players down or my colleagues down. And I I've never learned how to be great and be in two places at once. Mm -hmm. And um, so just be great where your feet are. Be great today. Quit worrying about someday. And I've always lived by that. Bill Schneider taught me that and um, that the grass isn't greener. And uh, so I've just tried to, uh, you know, I think that comes, you know, RJ, from having an attitude of gratitude, that you're having um, a thankful spirit um, because you can't be anxious and worrying and, and, and be thankful at the same time and so for me when you're thankful all right then you're going to you know show that thankfulness by how hard and desperate uh and tenacious and uh passionately that you work for that opportunity so those opportunities that i that i had as a young coach i didn't want to let them go i didn't want to let anybody down i want to prove everybody right and um and most of all i want to serve my players the right way uh, and but I did watch other coaches coming and going and chasing opportunities. Like wow, that's that's, that's not K State or that's not Oklahoma or that's not Clemson. And I just uh, just being very patient. And, uh, and and again, I've been fortunate. So it's not like I've been at a bunch of bad schools. I've been at three great schools, three Hall of Fame coaches. And uh, for me, um, I had I, I valued that. I was thankful for whatever reason. Um, the Spirit gave me great vision and decision-making ability. And uh, to me, now that I look at it, back at it now, I know that was for a purpose then and um, super intentional and uh, not by accident. So um, that's where also I have a lot of peace and comfort through this decision. I'm like, oh, okay, now I see what you was doing. You know, and uh, it's We never really, see it in, the, in but, real time. We but you've got to go through time. stuff. you got to go yeah. through stuff. And that's uh, in life, you know, not just – Coaching is just in life. You got to mm. go through stuff. You got to get scarred up, man. You got to have some failure. You got to have some tough moments, man. I've had plenty of tough moments. Mm. You know, sometimes you see all the, oh, the glory, your head coach, you know, and whatever, you know, making money. And uh, but you, there's a story behind that glory, and um, everybody has a story. And so for me, you know, having a very you know clear vision for what I wanted, if I ever had that opportunity. It's a very simple thing. Oh, who are you going to be like? No, man, I've had all these amazing people pouring to me my whole life. All these seeds of, of, of work, seeds of belief, seeds of, 
positivity, you know. And so I, I've learned from three Hall of Fame coaches. And um, so I get back, because I'm, I'm still on that moment when, you know, what, what was it like, you know, uh, thankfulness, but also confidence and preparedness, you know, in that moment. And know that only God can do this. And, uh, and so uh, you're, you're freed up when you're in that moment. They'll be very honest. And so to me, it was just then it, moving forward. And once we got to the, those conversations where it's like, okay, we want you to be our head coach, it's now, okay. All right, I want to accept it under these conditions. I need to know that you can, you know, support me in all the ways I need to. Uh, things that are important to me to be successful. All right, and and so making sure that those uh, values and standards and um, things that I needed were um, were were fulfilled and were met. So uh, it's been amazing, though. It's been a a, a fun seven and a half months. Um, and as you're building a program, you got one opportunity to do it the first time the right way. You know, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, the genie's out of the bottle, you can't go back and do it the first time again. And so as we're building the foundation, man, we got we to get it right. And that comes with a lot of intentionality and purpose and, uh, and some mistakes along the way, right? Like there's some of that willingness to make a hard left or right-hand turn. You got to be bold. Uh, you got to be unapologetic. And... Um, you got to rehearse your beliefs and your values and, you know, your standards, what those things are. And so it's simple from a, you know, if it goes all the way back to when I was 17 and 51 about relationships, then it's the same thing as I build this program and do it the right way. It's about relationships. It's about there's not going to be real deep-seated commitment unless you have connection first. And, um, and it's got to come from the right place. Your motive's got to be right. Your intent's got to be right because people will see right through that if it's not. So... I just try to be me, you know, and um, still hold the same value system. I don't, uh, you know, people that see me probably see passion and intensity and well, hopefully see loyal, loyalty and commitment, you know, as well. And um, uh, patience and um, everything else, you know. Uh, but it was, a, it was an amazing moment. Again, dream come true for Julie and I and our family. Um, very difficult to leave Clemson. Um, uh, but the decision to go to Oklahoma had nothing to do with Clemson, you know, if that makes any sense. But Clemson and the people there uh, meant the world to me and our family, and uh, we'll never, you know, be able to repay them for uh, the value that that experience and our time there have meant to our family. So, but I, I just, those relationships don't just go away, you know, those experiences and memories don't just go away. And that's a real thing. Like people think, oh, you know, but you're making all this money and you're the head coach, so it had to be easy. No, it doesn't. That doesn't – that's not me. That's not anything like me. And, um, uh, you know, when you love what you do and where you do it and who you do it with, that's got to mean something. You know, good name is better than riches and gold. So, uh, you know, but this was a very unique opportunity. And um, having had, you know, numerous opportunities in the past, uh, you know, and I, I valued every one of those opportunities – um, but this was the right one um, for, for Brent Venables. I think that's a good place to leave it. Oklahoma coach Brent Venables, thank you so much, sir. Yeah. Thanks, RJ. Is that one question? It was. <laughs> I'm pleased to be joined by Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Dylan, how you doing? Amazing. Amazing, right? You having a good time? Great time. First time, but a great time. Well, first time, having transferred from Central Florida to Oklahoma, I mean – you wait a couple of years, you're still in the same conference, yep. so it seems.
but what has it been like for you to get to Norman and be ingratiated with tremendous Sooner fans? Man, it's been different for sure. Um, kind of a crazy experience, you know, going through the transfer process. But, you know, finally being here, you know, I know God put me right where I need to be and just trusting his plan and having faith in what he has, you know, in store for me. I tend to think of every transfer story as being a little bit different, but yours is really unique. Because as I understand it, you were planning to go to UCLA. Then Coach Levy got this job. How did you make those decisions? Man, you know, just knowing Coach Levy and the relationship we had, um, it it was very hard to say no to that. And, you know, just really believe in not only him, but his offense and how productive he's been with a bunch of quarterbacks. And obviously coming to Oklahoma, man, that's – that's a whole nother thing on top of, you know, Coach Levy. So um, just going through that process, for me, it was a no-brainer. And once I got the call, I already knew what I was doing. That offense that you run, that he runs, is dramatic in how intense it is and how quick it is. Is it as quick for the players that you are teaching it to to catch on? For sure. Uh, I think, you know, we went through, you know, some growing pains early on just – like anyone does, getting a new coach or a new coaching staff and a new playbook. But, you know, the the growth we've made from, you know, January to now is night and day. And, and I'm super proud of the guys. And, you know, we took it to another level going into summer. What was your first impression of Coach Venables? Just a, a tenacious, you know, just obsessed with the game of football. His energy was infectious, you know, right when we, you know, first spoke and, just instantly connected with one another. And, you know, for me, that was a great feeling, you know, just when I knew I was coming to Oklahoma. There have been shades of 1999 compared to this 2022 season. First year defensive coach who has an idea of what he wants. He hires a guy that has given him fits in the past. Do you know what happened the following year, that 99 year? National championship. Yeah. Do you feel any sort of pressure to get Oklahoma to a national championship while you were Sooner? No pressure. I just know that, you know, we've set expectations for ourselves and standards for ourselves and goals, you know, um, just before we even started spring ball and, you know, know what we want to accomplish within our locker room. Um, And we know the process and the steps it takes, you know, to get there. So um, just truly believing in that and staying confident in, you know, being all in to, to our commitment what we want to do. What do you think Oklahoma fans can expect from this very high tempo offense? They've seen something similar a few years back, but it's been a while. Just explosive offense. Um, the ball is going to be moving down the field for sure. And, you know, just a lot of points going to be scored on that, on that scoreboard. So um, that's what you can expect. And, you know, I feel really confident in the guys and, you know, the growth, growth we've made over the summer and, you know, going into fall camp. You know, I feel really confident what we're going to do. One of my favorite Sooners on this team is Marvin Mims. Just his story and how he ended up at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He's going to go to Stanford, ends up here, and makes a really great decision freshman All-American. What has he shown you in practice that you know you got a great wide receiver there? Just one of the best human beings I've been around. Um, just full um, just of, of love, joy, super you know fun to hang around and – I'm um, just being around that guy makes you want to be a better person. Um, and that's just off the field. On the field, you know, you can see him flip the switch real quick and turn this tenacious um, type of player. And 
um, just aggressive, you know, and just seeing that switch is, is crazy to see. But, man, he's he's one of the best I've been around, and I, I say that confidently. Coach Schmidt, I should say this differently. Strength and conditioning coordinator is Jerry Schmidt. Yep. Schmidty to anybody that knows anything about Oklahoma football, yep. right? He is a legend, and as far as we see it. Yep. Have you got a taste of what it's like to be coached by Schmidty? Got a taste. Shoot, I've got more than a taste. I don't know what else I could describe. But, man, that I got so much love for that man. And, you know, I've never told him that. But he's just one of the most influential people that I, I've been around within this, this six months. Just the way he's been able to, you know, challenge me in a in a healthy way, you know, and push me to, you know, be my best self. And he wants that for me. Um, it, it's a great feeling. You know, I, I really look at it as like a second you know, father figure and, and how he, you know, approaches us and pushes us, but loves us even harder. So um, just having that kind of, you know, role model in our life is, man, it's big. I got Ethan Downs looking at us off camera, and I've been remarking about how much bigger he has gotten. Yep. Have you seen yourself change and your body change underneath Coach Mitty? Oh, of course. I mean, when it goes runs, you know, from, from runs to lifts, and then we run again or, we'll lift and then we'll run and then sometimes we'll run and then we'll lift it. You, you don't know what you're going to get on any given day. So, you know, he keeps you guessing, he keeps your body guessing. And most importantly, he's going to get you ready for fall camp and, and the season. Before you arrived at Oklahoma, what caught your eye about the program? Just how prestigious it is. You know, everyone knows Oklahoma. And, you know, I remember when my dad, you know, sitting in the living room uh, watching Sam Bradford play and, you know, a family team of ours was the Rams. So, you know, when he got drafted there, you know, everyone was stoked about it. Um, but just watch, you know, that and never really thought of it. And then to now suit up in, in the Crimson and Cream, man, it's a great feeling. I've always wanted to know how transfers feel about coming to Oklahoma. It's happened more often than people would like to admit. admit. Some folks are really overwhelmed with just how much it means for the state of Oklahoma to be behind them. Has that shown up when you go out, when you go to Norman, you go to Oklahoma City? Do people recognize you and talk about it? For sure. But, you know, they're very respectful, very loving, and um, just really want us to succeed, you know, and, and want to see that, you know, for not only their team, but the players that play for it. So um, it's a great feeling, and there's only been great love and, you know, respect for us. So, you know, that's why we want to represent them in, in the best way possible. There are several important games on the schedule for Oklahoma every year, but one in particular this year. Oklahoma is traveling to Nebraska for the first time in a very long time. Mm -hmm. How excited are you to play in that game? Love it. I think, you know, as a player, you, you crave those big games and those big moments, and, you know, you dream about them. Um, throwing a touchdown in, in a big game or leading a game-winning drive, I mean, that's, that's things you, you can't write up and things you, you know, always dream of when you're young. So, you know, just – having the ability to be in those positions and um, man, it, it is a dream come true. <laughs> How do you get so good at making decisions? I say that knowing that you've thrown 70 touchdowns and just 14 interceptions in your career, taking care of the football is job number one. Yep. How do you coach yourself to stay on top of that? Just being really efficient, you know, in, in first and second downs and in third downs, you know, being really smart, situational football. Um, but most importantly, like you said, taking care of the football. Um, you know, there's statistics behind it of, you know, when you take care of the football, you know, more than more often than not, you win games. So 
um, just being smart in that, knowing when to throw the ball away, when to take sacks, when not to, and, and, and just being really dialed in to, to situational ball. This defense is new for everybody at Oklahoma, uh, but specific to you, how have you seen perhaps how things are disguised and how excited are you to see this defense against other people? Super excited. I mean, every day we line up, it's something new and, and something that, you know, you got to prepare your mind for. Um, but I love that about our defense. And, you know, there's, there's athletes that, you know, make it a lot harder than just what we run you know, or just on top of what we run. So um, I, I'm excited for it. I know there's going to be huge packages and, and things that people got to plan for, but um, that's that's the beauty of the game and, and part of the fun of it. Dylan Gabriel, thank you so much for taking time, sir. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Oklahoma defensive end Ethan Downs. Ethan, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, dog. We've been talking about it. It's been a while since I saw you. and You got so much bigger, and I get that that's the job. But I still got to marvel at it, right? Because it's one thing for you to grow up. It's another thing to see you grow up. When you first heard that Coach Venables was going to be the head coach at Oklahoma, what did you think? I honestly haven't. I don't know much about college football. Don't know much about the NFL. Never watched a ton of it. I just played it, you know. Um, and Coach Venables, I, I heard his name before. High stature guy, you know, big reputation. And... Uh, first time I ever saw him, it was on a Zoom, and he was on the plane, and he is—he's just sharing wisdom, you know, little nuggets of advice to all of us. Haven't even met the guy yet, and he's treating us like, like we're so precious to him. And first time I saw him in person, he comes in um, to the red room, which is our big film room, essentially our big team meeting room, and he lays a Bible on the podium, which was new. Never seen that from a coach. Um, I'm heavy in my faith. Um, that's what I strive for my morals to be like, uh, biblically based. And he brings in a Bible not to force it on us, not to force scripture on us, but to say, Hey, this is a standard that I base my, uh, or th this is, this is what my standards based off of. This is where we're going to go. And it was very refreshing. That's a side of him that I think more people get to see as a head coach than in years past because as you'll know, he's a career assistant up until taking this job. But also in there, you are precisely the kind of player he used to beat the bushes to find to bring to Oklahoma. And I feel something special about that, too, because, you know, you're too young to remember Dan Cody. But you know who that is, right? I look at you, and I think you are the kind of person that he would like people to look to when he sees his program. What does it mean for you to be in this position going into this year? As a, as a sophomore, yeah, I, it's exciting, man. You know the the coaches that he's, that he's brought in, the characters, the men that we're aim, able to emulate and you know uh, grow towards. It's uh, all we can do is grow, and the challenge is um, to to enjoy it because yeah. the standard is so high, the accountability is so hard. Uh, I said this before, it's it's sometimes very hard to be around Coach Venables 24-7 because his accountability, his standard is so level with everybody. It doesn't matter if you're uh, a first string or a walk-on. It doesn't matter if you're a coach or, you know, a winning coach or you just got here. It doesn't matter uh, if you are in the academics and, uh, you know, a GA or a tutor or anything. And 
Uh, he said, this is the standard. This is what we're going to go by. This is how our locker room is going to be. This is going to be our family. And it's reaped so much fruit and so much good within everybody. Uh, it's created cohesion and chemistry, and it's exciting. Like, <laughs> just can't wait to see what it's going to be on the field. I'm excited to see it because the stories that I'm hearing just since he arrived are all over the map. I mean, I talked to some Oklahoma fans. It's as if they won six national championships already. They feel so good about this. But you, having played for Coach Riley and now having worked at least under Coach Venables, how much harder is it to practice? Is it to go through not just daily life, but just practice with Coach Venables? I would say I matured a lot mm -hmm. from freshman year. That was, you know, everybody's freshman year, whether you're an athlete or not, is ups and downs like a roller coaster. And I experienced the, the old coaching staff and the habits that I had in practice. Uh, but with the new coaching staff, I've learned a lot more of the game. And that may just be maturity, you know, becoming a sophomore, see, watching more film, things like that. I know what the linebackers are doing behind me, where the safeties are fitting. I know what the D line is doing beside me. I'm able to recognize those things. Uh, compared to last year, I was just, okay, I got to do this. That's my job, you know. I am so more prepared and confident this year. That doesn't mean the workouts have been easier. They, I, I don't know exactly how to compare them because they're two, two different styles, you know. But I am so much, so much more confident, and I, I feel more dangerous. Yeah. You feel more dangerous. Yo, hey, I'm excited about that because – you running around with your hair on fire, knowing exactly what you're supposed to be doing is terrifying to whoever sees this. But I say that as a guy who watched you quite literally go out there and sweat to win this offer, to play football here and having the opportunity to play football here and you saying, I need to enjoy it. That that's on me. Makes me feel good. It really does. I just wanted to share that with you. I also wanted to ask, what's it been like for you to hear the stories about Coach Schmitty and then to experience Coach Schmitty? It it brings so much history and tradition, and it's brought a lot of the older players into the program and got them more involved. That's what makes it feel more like family, too. Um, I would say Smitty was intimidating as heck. First day I saw him, I I saw I, I thought he would be six six six, you know, swolled up like that, Smitty, you know. And I saw him, and he's. <laughs> almost five foot nothing. That's an insult. I'm sorry, Coach Smitty, if you see this. And, you know, little guy, but he's all drill sergeant, you know, focused, laser focused. And I was like, man, I can't wait. I just I just got goosebumps. I was excited, nervous. But with the, with the maturity, with the growth, and with the accountability, uh, with my morals in line with the standard, I haven't had a bad day yet. Yeah. See, again, it's one of those things that you are raised to understand what this team means to the state, what it means to your family, and for you to be able to have this experience. I'm just, I'm really overjoyed by it. I wonder how excited you are once you figure out who Coach Venables is and what he had accomplished in Clemson to play in this defense for the first time. How excited am I? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I've never, you know, playing the jack position, which is, you know, a mix between a defensive end and a linebacker. Nick Benito last year. Exactly. But now it's not anybody can be a jack. You know, anybody can be an end or a jack. Uh, it's not dependent on which side of the field. It's okay. The play's on and you're to the call. Like, that's it. You got it. So 
I've become more, I've got more tools in my toolbox. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. Uh, and I talk about being more dangerous, not just being physical and not just getting stronger, not just faster, not just smarter with the game, but able to be across the field, sideline to sideline, not just running to run, but running with purpose, knowing how to take angles, I mean, all the stuff, being able to break up passes, things like that. I think this is going to be a very interesting year for many Oklahoma fans because they watched about 70% of what they know is starting leave for one reason or another. But the guys that you are coming up with, I'm thinking of guys like Danny Stutzman. I'm thinking of guys like, well, an older guy like Deshaun White or even a guy that people don't see a whole bunch of in Shane Witter. Who are you most excited to see play football knowing the growth that has happened this past offseason? Danny, he's just an athlete. He's great. Hustle, Kelvin Gilliam. Mm. Uh, I'm, he just works his butt off every day. Jeffrey Johnson, you know, the transfer, he's a great guy. Jonah, John Laulu, transfer from Hawaii, great guy. Um, I mean, all the other DMs, you know, I could, I could strip Reggie, um, Brendan, the new guys coming in. I mean, well, there's a lot of talent right now, and it's just the depth. Is great. And it's just, we keep getting set up to, to be successful. My last one for you. You get to play once again against Nebraska. You got to see what that meant to so many OU fans last year to do that at Owen Field. I'm excited of you to travel to Lincoln to experience the atmosphere at Memorial Stadium for a Nebraska game. When I was doing through recruiting, I got to be hosted at, uh, at Nebraska, you know, as a recruit to, to see the environment, to watch a game. I loved it down there. It was so cool. A lot of tradition down there. And to, to see this old-time rivalry coming back together and Coach Venable's all about it, you know, because he, he knows where it was and he wants to make it as it once was. You know, he wants to recreate it and have that fire and just dominate. And I, I don't I don't know. How, like, I've got this fire within me. I just want to express, like, I'm so stoked to to go out there to play my butt off and uh, to 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 just be great and to have fun with every rivalry at every game, every stadium, every bus ride, every plane you know, trip, as every single moment, getting to enjoy it, to make the most of it, to not take to not take anything for granted, to to be thankful, to stay humble, to to be strong. That that's the fire within me, and I, I don't know exactly how to express that to to everyone, but I, I hope you see it. You measured you're mature, and you're having a great time. I'm over the moon excited to see what you're capable of. Ethan Downs, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. Thank you, man. I'm pleased to be joined by Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy. Coach, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. I appreciate you taking some time here, coach. I'm really interested to talk with you about in-state players. I'm from the state of Oklahoma. You're from the state of Oklahoma. And for whatever reason, you seem to be able to get the most out of the kids that are from, I call it green country, but across the state particularly in the Metro, I'm thinking of Brendan Presley, I'm thinking of Braylon Presley, I'm thinking of Dylan Stoner. What do you think separates those kids when they get to your program? We think in recruiting meetings that players that are within a geographical proximity of Oklahoma State, that it's more important to them, they care more. Uh, they, they see it, um, they see it on the news, uh, obviously social media. They have friends who are students at their high school that go to Oklahoma State. And we found that they generally just care more about the university than percentage-wise than maybe players that come from a long ways. 
And in caring more about the university, you see that show up in their work ethic. You see that show sure. up in, in the weight room. Yeah, I mean, the work ethic has to be there. Um, the toughness, you know, to be able to lay it all on the line. Football is a tough game. And you got to be, you have to be willing to pay a price to be able to get out there and compete. You're going into what I think is year five of Spencer being a part of your team. That's mm -hmm. Spencer Sanders. I heard earlier you compared him to being a magician in your offense. Can you elaborate on that? So our offense um, can be complicated until a quarterback gets it. Mm -hmm. Then it's then it really simplifies considerably. And he's become a magician and now he gets it. He can execute it in a really, really fast pace and make quick decisions that are quality decisions. When they get to that point in their career, the quarterbacks we've had before them have gotten there and then he got there. When they get to that point, they can really be successful. Can you ballpark for me, what is the ceiling for him if he just improves upon the season he had in 2021? Well, he had a great year. Mm -hmm. And I think that he'll have a better year this year. Right? Mm -hmm. The more you play in our offense, the better you get at that position. That's why it's so important to try to get those guys quality reps. I think the sky's the limit for him. He can run, he can make play with his legs. He's tough to get down. Uh, he can avoid the rush, get convert, convert first downs. He has a strong arm. And he has a better feel for the mental approach in throwing the football now than, than he has early in his career. Would it be fair of me to say that that 21, yeah, that 21 team is one of your two best at Oklahoma State? That would be fair, yes. Okay. Knowing how close you were to playing in the college football playoff for the first time, how difficult is it to go from 12-2 and two to 13-1 and one in your mind? Well, it's difficult to win. It's mm -hmm. difficult to win games. It's difficult to win double digits. Um, you have to have a lot of things go in your favor. You have to stay healthy. Um, last year was an in interesting year for us. We were beat up considerably on the offensive side of the ball early in the year. We could have been 1-2 or 1-3 to start the season real easy. We made our way through it. Um, you have to get good quarterback play. The players have to come together as a group. They have to decide that they want to do it. Um, they have to care about each other. Those are some of the ingredients that have to happen to capitalize on what was a fantastic year last year. And in capitalize on what happened last year, you got a great Fiesta Bowl win against Notre Dame. Do you think that that raised the level of your program outside of the state or old hat to you? No, it did considerably. Okay. Yeah, everybody knows who Notre Dame is. Mm -hmm. um, they recognize that helmet. Um, I think I was told that in the fourth quarter, toward the end of the game, we had fourteen point two million viewers, mm -hmm. and I'm going to guess those people were from coast to coast. We only have four million people in Oklahoma, um, so <laughs> there was a lot of football fans watching that game, and uh, that was a significant win for us. And when you do that, it only enhances who you are across the country. How did you deal, you specifically, and then with your team, knowing that you came perhaps six inches short from winning the Big 12 championship? Well, first we told them that we cared about them, we mm -hmm. love them, and we, we have to congratulate and let them know we appreciate what they've given to us. They worked from the start of August in football, last June, July, all through August, all the way up till the end of the year. So you can't really measure them, in my opinion, on that one game. Um, they all wanted to win. They all gave us everything they had. That's all we asked for in our program. Just give us everything you have. And they did that. So we have to let them know that you've accomplished your goal. We came up a little bit short. They were resilient. They went and won the bowl game in a big fashion. 
And that meant a lot to our staff and to me personally that the team was able to come back and say, this is who we are. Your fans are, I don't mind saying it, rabbit. Oklahoma State fans are Oklahoma State through and through, mm -hmm. from wrestling to women's basketball right. to your team. They really love that program. And I've been trying to ballpark what I would like to see out of Oklahoma State. And what Dabo Sweeney has done at Clemson comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Do you see anything related to Clemson and what you are doing at Oklahoma State that is similar? You know, um, I think it was 2011 or 12, Dabo and his staff came to, to meet with our staff for two days to see what we were doing. He took a lot of what we have and then he integrated it into himself and the Clemson people. Um, Clemson is a, uh, um, is a community of population of about 19,000 people and there's about 45 in Stillwater, so they're only half our size. Now, the population of the state of South Carolina is about 5.7 million, Oklahoma's only four. Mm -hmm. So they've got more people to pull into their program. But there's a lot of similarities in what you said from the standpoint of it's a uh, small, pop uh, uh, small populated area. Um, the, the people that um, wanna come to Oklahoma State sporting events are loyal. The majority of the people that are of age that are in our football games in the stadium are graduates. A lot of, a lot of games, uh, stadiums across the country, it's not that way. So we have that tight-knit group. I have been told Clemson's the same way. Mm. Um, so we're moving in that direction. We've been right there. We just need – we were close this year to the playoff. So we just need to continue on. If you get there enough, you get to the starting line enough, eventually it's going to happen. Is that what keeps driving you? Because I, I don't mind saying this either. I grew up with you as a head coach at Oklahoma yeah, that's State. Right. That's you know, right. so you've been doing this long enough to where somebody might look around and say, "How long do you want to keep doing this?" Yeah. What drives you, coach? I still feel good. I've been fortunate with my health. Uh, we have a tremendous, uh, terrific administration now that understands what it takes to be successful, uh, and we're willing to put forth what it takes to be successful. And I like dealing with the young people. Hmm. I like the 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23-year-olds. I like to see them come in, not know Jack, and then grow up and realize it's okay. I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to fix it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something for somebody else. I'm going to play a team game. I'm going to fight through class. Coach, I don't like algebra. Well, I didn't like algebra either, but you got to take it. You know, is this a degree you want? you got to do it. Someday you're going to work somewhere you're not going to want to do something, but you got to do it. So I enjoy that part. The games – that they're awesome. I like the team to have success for all the hard work they put in. But for me, selfishly, the drive to watch young people come in and make something of themselves, they leave, they go out there in the professional world, they can take care of themselves, their family, if they choose to have a family, their wife, whatever they, they um, choose to do, and then come back and be a part of homecoming. That's awesome for me. You have put a lot of men in great positions uh, on and off the football field. You've also had to go out and find the next great assistant, may there be an offensive coordinator, or defensive coordinator. You identified Derek Mason. Mm -hmm. How? When I started looking for a defensive coordinator, um, I wanted to find a guy that would come in and use our system. Mm. So then that pool got smaller. Because <laughs> most coaches at our level have big egos mm. and they don't want to do it your way, they want to do it their way. That's fine. But that's not what I was looking for. So somebody guided me to to uh coach mason and then we touched base and over a period of like three or four weeks this went on a long time because he was coaching at auburn and and there wasn't much communication about the job hmm. 
and then things happened at Auburn where they decided to go different ways. And then so I really then started to pick the pace up with him. But he's a tremendous person. He understands loyalty. He's been a head coach. He's been a coordinator. He's got great people skills, and he's intelligent. Well, that's a perfect fit for us. That's perfect. Players rally around him, and they like him. That's a big part of it nowadays. So for those reasons, he was a perfect fit at Oklahoma State. Did you see perhaps a, a fun example of him ingratiating himself with the team and or adopting the culture that you built over the course of 20 years now? So he was with us in spring ball. Uh, he'd been with us, I don't know, six, seven weeks. And then we started spring ball. And we have issues come up, right? I have 140 players between ages 18, 23. You have issues. I went to address one of them on the defensive side of the ball, and he had already done it. Hmm. And they said, Coach, he already dealt with it. Well, that one, that makes my job easier. And two, that proved to me that his maturity allowed him to say, hey, Coach, I got it, and handled it, handled it the right way, same way I was going to handle it. It was done. That was when I started to realize he's going to be really good for Oklahoma State. It feels as if you have set this thing up to where you can identify the kind of person that does fit your culture, mm -hmm. that does fit your systems. How do you get to recognize that within yourself? How do you get to recognize what offense you need to be running, right. what defense you need to be running? So we've been in the same system offensively for a long time now, mm -hmm. 12, 14 years. We vary it a little bit based on our quarterback, based on where our skill set is. Defensively, we made adjustments the last two years with Coach Knowles prior to that we had, had had different philosophies on defense. I like the philosophy that we've come up with now that um, Coach Knowles and I and the defensive staff went to the last two years. So Coach Mason brought in his change and his little thing, his twist that he likes with it, and, and we've put that together. So we know who we are there, but it ends up being the people. It's important for us and me to identify the people. It's like the Presleys, okay? Um, they're both, they're not very tall, right? One of them's, I mean, they can run full speed under a coffee table and not hit their head. <clears throat> One of them's 5'8", the other one, I don't know, 5'7". Don't make any difference. Mom and daddy raised them right. Mm -hmm. They have work ethic. They're extremely competitive. They're humble. They're tough. They're good people. They're a perfect fit for Oklahoma State. So that's what we've been able to identify to have success is we bring people in that we know fit our culture and give us a better chance to have success. Again, I got to stress it because the culture is the thing that permeates it all, and I see it in everything that you do. The Presleys in particular, though, are fired up to be Cowboys, and they were fired up the day that they committed. They were fired up the day they got those offers. I love that family. I love those boys. I think the world of them. Mm -hmm. uh, do you believe there's a time when we might see them both returning kicks and or at wide receiver? I don't think there's any question that'll happen. I, I think depending on how Braylon matures, mm. um, at some point, I think they will be the two guys back on kickoff return. Mm. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and I think both of them, well, Bryn's already proved it. Uh, I think both of them, as they mature, Braylon's going to be in position to return one also. Um, and there's another brother. Yeah. And, and well, Arthur seems to think that he, he's got the diamond still waiting to come out. And I'm yeah, going, so, my goodness. So there's more of them. Mm -hmm. um, but their mom and daddy have done a great job. And there's a bunch of kids in that family that have mm -hmm. been successful in all different areas. But um, they are kind of our culture and, and their, their discipline, their toughness, and their respect that's been instilled in them by their parents. And we look for that a lot.
because um, that's who that's who we play with. That's how we win football games. My last question for you, Coach. It's a little bit open-ended, but please indulge me. Are you happy about the future of college football? I don't know if I'm ready to give up traditions. Mm. Um, don't know if I'm ready to give up geographic conference alignments, but I don't have a choice. Mm. It's changing. The genie's out of the bottle. Um, so in my position, you have two choices. You adjust with it and make it best to benefit Oklahoma State, or you get out of the business because we're not going back the other direction. So unfortunately, kind of to answer your question, the tradition, a lot of the tradition of college football that, that we've seen, you're much younger than me, but is gone. Mm. It's not going to change. Um, Bedlam is not going to be here. I mean, I don't know how many years we play Bedlam, but in a year or two or whenever Oklahoma State or uh, Oklahoma leaves, then there won't be any more Bedlam. So that those parts of college football I don't like to see go away. But there's a lot of things that are happening. The NIL, the players' chance to prosper and earn money on certain things is good if it's done right. I don't know if it's being done right a lot of times, but I think eventually they'll get control of it. The portal is good. Portal gives a young man a chance that, Maybe he came to Oklahoma State and he he looks and says, "I don't see I don't see myself playing here." Well, then that's that's awesome. Go play somewhere else. And he gets a chance to play. If he wants to play, he shouldn't be trapped. The portal now that we have some some boundaries and guidelines on when they can get on it and get off it is going to be a better thing because it gives kids a chance to do what they want to do. Maybe uh, some kid says, "Hey, I'm good being Oklahoma State. I'm going to rotate in. I don't want to be a starter." Some kids say, I do want to be a starter. Okay, well, you know, you might not be here. Okay, I get to go play somewhere else. So there's a lot of changes going on. Some of it's positive. Some of it breaks my heart because we're losing traditions. But it's not enough to get you up out of that seat. Nah. You're having a good time. No, nah, you adjust and move yeah. forward. Uh, you know, I, I like the players. I like the kids. I like being around them. So we adjust and, and we go on and we listen and we try to be innovative and keep moving forward. Oklahoma State coach Mike Gunny, thank you for your time, yeah, sir. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Oklahoma State wide receiver Brennan Presley. Brennan, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing really good today. How are you? I'm good, man. It's good to see your face. I really haven't got to talk to you since high school, and that feels so long ago, but that's a good place to start. As one of the things I've always thought was interesting about OSU is a lot of y'all are hometown kids, right? You live around the way from me. What do you think separates Oklahoma high school football players when they get to Oklahoma State? Uh, I think it's just the passion they play with, like going into a, an in-state school. I mean, you grow up liking that school and stuff like that. So it's not like you're going to another school and you have no idea what the culture or tradition or anything like that is. Like you grew up liking this team. So it's like it's like playing for the NFL team or like stuff that you grew up, you just want to play for. So it's like when you get there, like you're trying to do everything in your power, like when you were younger, to be those guys like when you grew up. So. I think just the passion and energy that people play with when they're from Oklahoma and go to Oklahoma State, it's, uh, it's unmatched. How did that hit you when you first got to campus, and how has that grown in you in the last couple of years? Uh, it's almost surreal, like, because going into my junior year and then, like, thinking back on it, be like, I just got to campus. There's times, even still now, I'm just like, you know, I'm blessed to be here, like, where I am. And, you know, I just think about, like, when I was little, and, you know, you think back to now, and you just, you just really can't believe it, honestly. Not that, you know, you're here in this position, but just, you know, like that things happen the way you want it to and just working out for you. It's interesting that you bring up how surreal it is mm -hmm. because you're part of a receiving core that has been called wide receiver you at times. Rashawn Woods, Donovan Woods from the state of Oklahoma, Des Bryant is from Lufkin. 
Justin Blackman's from Ardmore, mm -hmm. right? What does it mean for you to inherit that tradition? Uh, it means a lot just to work as hard as I can and uh, try to keep it on. And even so more now that like my brother's there, so it's like I'm just trying to set a great example for him and do my part to keep that wide receiver you and stuff like that. Because like I grew up, you know, watching all of those people play. Well, not Rashawn, all this stuff. I'm too young, but I grew up, you know, watching the the Dez and the Justin Blackmans and you know the Thailands, James Washingtons. So it's like now when you're in that position, it's almost it's almost like you know you have the torch and you can't let those people down. And also like you're trying to build it up for the next guys coming up. So you want to set the great examples and things like that, and just do your best to, like keep that tradition going. You brought up little brother Braylon, and I do want to put a pin in that because we're going to talk about that. Mm -hmm. I think that's very cool. But I want to stick with this wide receiver tradition in that you're the guy leading the room now. <laughs> so did you expect to be that guy by your junior year? Uh, No. I don't like to look at it as thinking I'm running the receiver room because, I mean, we're all there. We're all making plays and stuff like that. So I guess you could say I'm just the oldest guy, which is kind of surreal. Well, you still have Braden Johnson there. That's right. So – in terms of like oldest, I still learn from him. So like the freshmen they come in, they ask me questions. I still look at Braden Johnson and ask him, "Hey, what's this like? What's that like? What's that?" And just you know, go through things. And he tells me stuff that because he's been there since James and Tyler and all that stuff. So like, he knows stuff that I don't even know yet. So it's just a battle of like constantly learning while also trying to teach the younger guys like, "Hey, this is what it is. This is the standard. Like, let's do this and that." And just set a great example for them. It's interesting that you brought up Braden because. That guy, for me, was the archetype for you, mm -hmm. right? And I got to see him play. You got to see him play before you got the offer from Oklahoma State. When I saw it come through for him, I thought it could come through for you. Mm -hmm. So you make the circus catch, <laughs> seven on seven, on this day that we're recording, this yeah. show, July 12th, 2019, exactly two years ago. I mean, it was one of the most acrobatic things I've ever seen. How did people seeing you make that catch change your life? Uh... I don't really think it changed too much. I think it just changed uh, for the people who necessarily, like, didn't know much about me. It was just kind of like, oh, like, he's Oklahoma State commit, and now he did this and stuff like that. I think for, like, the majority of people, like, around me, it's not, like, expected, but it was just like, oh, like, he's doing, like, something else. So I don't think it necessarily changed my life in, like, that sense, but it just kind of put, like, a more of, like, a, hey, let's watch this kid for people who didn't know. And then you got to show out. I mean, we talked about the Cheez-It Bowl, and we talked about the Fiesta Bowl, but the one that sticks in my brain, because you know me, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, is Bedlam. Yeah. You took one back. Yeah. So how did it feel to run one back in a tie ball game versus a 10-1 Oklahoma team in a game y'all had to win to make the Big 12 championship? That's probably the most, like, surreal one. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I'll see the plays now. Like, they'll post it, like, here and there. And like, I just look at them, like, uh, like, Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Like and all, but I don't necessarily like, understand the magnitude of it until like I actually like sit back, and then like and that's been like only a couple times like since it happened. Cause I mean, you grow up, you watch that series, you watch it all, and you're just like, before the game, I just told myself like I want to make a play to help us like win this game. Like I want to be a factor in the game. And so it's like when I made that play, like it was only in the second quarter, but I was just like you know, you know, I just wanted to make a play. Because growing up, that's the biggest game. My adrenaline was rushing. I've never felt like that before ever in a game. So that's probably the most surreal thing that probably has ever happened. And I don't know. I'm not going to say will because he's got a lot of life to live. But that was that was definitely up there. How does it feel when you see a crease after you make that catch? It's 
Not gonna, the bloggers set it up. They set it up perfectly. Because the first one, I got out to like the 40. Mm-hmm. I got like to 40 or like 35. It was a really good return. So I was like, I didn't know if they were going to give me another shot. But I was like, if they give me another one, I'm going to take this one back. And so like, you know, they gave me a shot. And after I saw the crease, the only thing I was like cutting back. And I was like, after I passed like the logo and stuff, I was like, don't get caught. Don't get caught. Don't get caught. <laughs> so it was like once I restinged on like all the not the pressure but like you know just the adrenaline the the rush the feeling hearing the crowd and most importantly I love just seeing my teammates you know they get hyped for me the same way you know we get hyped for them when they make plays and stuff like that so that's probably the best thing when I go back and look at the play I I look at the return but I love looking at the sideline and because I want to do stuff for them and of course they want to make plays for us so I just want to do everything I can for them to show them all in for them. How do you think Spencer has grown up in the time that you've got to see him play quarterback? Because he's also been there, I want to say this is year five for mm-hmm. him. What's changed about Spencer? Uh, I think it's just like, you know, his mannerisms and his like, he's very matured. And just like the way he like, you know, deals with us. Like he's a big brother to all the receivers. Like, you know, he's going to reach out to us. If we got anything we need, like he was going to buy me some jeans for this. <laughs> so like, it's just like, that that part of him, like once you're there, and this is year three for me, so it's not like I can speak on year five. But like once you get to year three, you kind of feel that sense of like you know, the torch as you said, like passing it down and taking care of everybody. So like he's like the big brother on the team that you know you always want to go to, always want to talk to him, reach out, if you have questions, go to him. But like he's not going to sugarcoat anything, and that's what you love about him. Like he's not going to be like, you know, just tell you the easy way. He's going to tell you, hey, this is what it takes. It's going to be hard. Yada yada yada. But you got to get it done in order if you want to get to this level. You know a bunch about that level. And I'm going to preface this by saying I know that Spencer won 46 games and lost just six in high school. Mm. But coming out of Bixby, Oklahoma, being a Bixby Spartan, you're part of a run that has led to 49 straight victories from that high school. The largest, well, the longest running uh, victory march, if you will, in the recent memory. And I think it's the state record now yeah. for 11-man football. How does it feel to go to a place where you can get beat? Um, I just think about not getting beat. Okay. Every single game I go to, I mean, it's not like, oh, we're going to lose. Every single game I expect to win. Mm-hmm. So that mindset from, hey, I want to go undefeated in high school, it's still the same now. Whether that's my freshman year and I'm not, barely even playing or whether that's last year and just trying to make an impact in every single game. I just want to play and make a stamp, but I never think about losing a game. Every single game you go into, I feel like we should win. You started or helped start that streak. You got to see your little brother Braylon finish it, take it all the way. How does it feel for you to know you had a hand in that and to see how your little brother has come up as a high school football player and followed you to Oklahoma State? I mean, it's everything. Like, just to be a part of it and to see him doing what he does. I wanted him to do better than I did my junior and senior year, and, like, he ended up doing that. So it's just... It's like, I feel like a dad in a sense. It was like, I'm seeing my little brother like do better than I can. And like, even at this stage, I want to give him all the tools and tips I can so that, you know, the stuff I learned in college, I can give to him now. So he doesn't have to take those two years to learn it. He can start fresh, like, like he's a sophomore or something like that. And just give him all the tools and tricks so that way he can be better, uh, better than I can. But that's just, 
I mean, that's just something that's just special to me, just seeing him do that. But I think it's even more special for, like, my parents and stuff like that because that's all who we do it for because they sacrifice so much just to have us where we are right now. So that's ultimately, like, what I'm most proud of. Do I have it right in that you got nine siblings or you're one of nine? Nah, I'm one of seven. One of seven. One of one of seven. <laughs> one of seven. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a smaller number. <laughs> one of seven. <laughs> it's me. So your sister, Brandy, yeah. started Ole Miss. I believe she's a Georgian. Yes, yeah, sir. Run the sprints. Had the Ole Miss school record. Mm -hmm. you, you can fly. Mm -hmm. Raylan can fly. Yeah. Mom ran track. Yeah. Dad played football. Mm -hmm. Who's the best athlete in the house? I'm still giving that to me. <laughs> I <don't, laughs> It might be my little brother, but, like, hopefully he never sees this, so he'll never get to hear that. But, like, because he's, I mean, my gra our grandpa was, like, 6'6". Six, six, so, but I'm taller than my dad. My dad's, like, 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, my mom's, like, 5'3". So somebody got the tall gene, obviously one one of us, but like until he proves it, then I'm still gonna say me. What did it mean for you for folks to look at Brandy and say, nah, she can fly, she's doing her own thing, and then you get to follow her, and now your Braylon gets to follow you. Do y'all pass that down? Is that something you talk about at, at dinner? Yeah, all the time. I mean, it's like mini, it's like mini competition. As much as you wanna see her, like growing up just watching her, uh, my eighth grade year, seeing her win state championships, stuff like that. And you just see the way people talk about her and they're like, oh, like, she's this, she's that. Just looking at her like a legend and stuff like that. At the same time, I'm so proud for her. It's like, oh, you want the same for yourself. Like you want to build that up and you want to kind of carry on the legacy that she's passed down. So it's like, it's not a weight on your shoulders, but it's just a way of like, you know, I can't let my family down. Like she did so good. I want to do good. And then the same with Braylon and then the same with my youngest brother. And so like, and the thing is, in the back of our minds, is like, hey, we know we're going to have these conversations at dinner. Like, I did this, I did that. You didn't win these rings and this and that. So it's like, that's added motivation, too, at the end of it. But it's all love at the end of the day. It feels to me like you are living a Tulsa Metro kid's dream, getting to play for one of the hometown universities, getting to play against Notre Dame and win a Fiesta Bowl, having won a state championship. What would it mean for you to be able to line up next to Braylon in some sort of formation and go out and route, see who comes down with the ball. <laughs> I mean, that'll be everything. Cause just to see him, I like, like I said, it's like if he catches, like he catches ball, I catch ball. Like that'll mean more for me personally, for my like my parents and stuff like that. Like we're on the field at the same time. I just know what it means for my, my parents. So just from like that perspective, cause I know how much they give up for us to do what we do. Just seeing them, just growing up, and you know you start to think more of not necessarily like a kid, but kind of an adult. And you start to see like the sacrifices you have to make in college and like not have as much fun as you were with a kid because you got more responsibilities and stuff like that. So just like being right there a little bit. And now I can actually understand the stuff that they talk about as far as, you know, like, you know, sacrificing and doing this and that. And, you know, I think it just means a lot more for them. And, you know, I'm going to cherish every single time I'm on the field just because I know what they've done to put us on there. Well, I want that for your parents, too. Brendan Presley, thank you for taking the time, sir. Anytime. I am pleased to be joined by Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders. Spencer, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. I'm good. How about you? I'm getting that. I appreciate that you have the look going on that is cowpoke. You got the brown boots, you got the khaki pants, and you're wearing the polo. How do you feel? I feel like a cowboy. Okay. That works. <laughs> that works. And you've been in Stillwater long enough for that to really, really sink in. Has it? Sink then for you how long you've been at Oklahoma State? 
most definitely, you know, I've learned a lot of things over the past four years. You know, you, you grow up a lot, especially in college. You know, that's where you, that's the, that's where I say a child turns into a man most of the time. So I can also say, yeah, no, uh, I've learned a lot, especially you know from the coaches up here and just kind of being around this this atmosphere, the older guys above me, and even learning from the younger guys that are younger than me. I've been around long enough to remember when there was a loud clamor for you to be the starting quarterback at Oklahoma State, coming out of Denton Ryan, having won Mr. Texas football. Now you are the only returning starter at any of these Big 12 programs. Did you know that? mm So what do you think it says that Coach Dunn and Coach Gundy have that sort of faith in you to lead the Cowboys? Uh, you know, it makes me feel pretty good. Uh Kind of makes me, you know, start with some confidence, you know, with the season. You know, let's let's start this thing off right and let's finish it the right way. You need just nine more games to be the winningest starting quarterback in school history. What would it mean for you to accomplish that feat? Uh, I mean, it means the world to me. Uh, you know, obviously everybody wants to, you know, break records and do big things, but you take care of the little things and the little things take care of the big things. And I guess you could say I've been here four years taking care of the little things and now it's time for the big things, you know, to take place. When you say the big things to take place, what do you mean? Uh, it just kind of goes in natural order. You know, you take it one game at a time and eventually, hopefully in the season, uh, at least to a Big 12 championship and later on to a playoff win and then maybe a national championship, you know. Um, but, you know, I'm excited for whatever this season brings for me. Uh, I feel like we worked our tail off, and I'm just excited just to see where we can go with it. That brings up an interesting point for me, which is that you're getting really, really close, right? You won the Fiesta Bowl. You beat a very good Notre Dame team, and you played what I thought was the best game of your career. Is that how you feel? Uh, yeah, I say it's probably one of the best games of my career, especially definitely one of the most, you know, funnest uh Kind of just playing a big brand team like that, you know, uh, there's not a lot of teams in college football that have uh, movies named after them, stuff like that. So uh, it was definitely, you know, it was definitely an experience. It was definitely fun, you know, great atmosphere in Arizona. And uh, it was just a great team to uh, overcome. What do you most remember about that game? Uh, I remember this 30-yard run that I should have slid on, and I did, and I took a nice little hit. In the middle of the field on the left side, hit me right in the ribs. It was number 27. He was the wheel linebacker. I won't hurt. But you got back up. Oh, yeah. Okay. How long were you icing? A minute. (laughs) Yeah, no, I didn't feel too good. No, that really does stand out to me because you remember getting hit. You don't remember throwing deep touchdown passes. You don't remember escaping the pocket, making yourself look like a superhero, none of that. You just remember number 27, number 27 was the linebacker who hit you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, like I said, you know, it was an exciting game. Uh, but, yeah, no, I definitely remember that hit. It was just, I just didn't see it. It wasn't, wasn't ready. I looked right and I looked left. And by the time I looked left, I was, I was getting punched. <laughs> so that 2021 season, I don't mind saying, is one of the two best seasons that I think Oklahoma State has ever had. But you also got really close to a college football playoff invitation. And you're playing against a team that was staring at one themselves in Notre Dame. What's the difference between going 12-2 and two and going 13-1 and one in your mind? Uh, well, personally for me, I can't stand losing. Uh, it bothers me, you know, whether it's uh, by a lot or by a little, you know, by one point or by 50 points. Uh, it doesn't matter to me, so just kind of, being that one, you know, that one game short of just 
so much of what we could have became and just uh it's frustrating but um you know i you know everything happens for a reason you know i'm excited and you know failure is feedback so you know you just take it with a chip on your shoulder and i'm just thankful i got two more seasons to make up for it it's interesting to me that you hate losing because coming out of Denton Ryan, I think you lost all the six games in your entire career. How have you taken to having to say that's in the L column and I got to move forward? How have you changed since 2018 in that way? Well, I mean, people tell me all the time you can't win them all, but you can train to win them all. You know, it's not, this isn't just a game to me. You know, it's not just a football game and when it's over, it's over. Like if I lose, I'm going to probably remember that. I still remember my, uh, probably one of my worst losses ever versus Texas Tech. My, I think it was my first or second year. I had five, I had five turnovers. That was probably the worst game. And I told myself I never want to be, put myself in that situation again. And it's just, I don't know, just losses sit with me longer than wins. One of the things that Coach Gundy has always been very loud about is taking care of the football. How are you planning to do better in taking care of the football in 2022? Uh, you know, just listening every day to Coach Tay, you know, doing as he's doing as he says, you know, doing what he tells me, you know, going over the just just like I go back to the back to what I said in the first place, just the little things, you know, you know, it's not about getting prepared the day of the game. It's not getting prepared the day before the game. It's about getting prepared a week before the game, two weeks before the game, a month before the game. And as long as I can prepare and take care of the little things, it's, that's, that's when the big things come into play because the little things build up to big things. So if I can just take care of the little things to prepare myself to just be ready for anything that comes at me, I feel like I can limit any turnovers that I could possibly have of just not knowing of what it could have been. One of the things that was really interesting last year was the strength of both the defense and your run game. How confident are you about the running back standing next to you and the defense across from you? Uh, I'm always confident in the, in the in the people around me, you know. Especially if you're in orange, you know. I have uh, I'm all ten behind you, you know, ten toes behind you, you know. Whether out there the people think you're good or not, I, I could care less. I'm behind you, but I feel like we're I feel like we're solid, you know. I'm 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 excited. It's just I'm I'm saying the same thing I said last year. I'm just excited to play just a display of what we can do. You'll have that opportunity many times over. Uh, you're also going to be one of the last teams to play Oklahoma and Texas in conference games. What would it mean to you to get the double on those teams this year? Uh, it would mean a lot, uh, especially, you know, for those those two rivalries. You know, those are those are kind of just some big rivalries for Oklahoma State. And uh, definitely walk out of there with a, a win for the last column. You can definitely, you know, definitely have that little trash talking area. So when they try to talk about wins and history and all that, you know, you got your little last W in there. Well, that is interesting, too, because, I mean, I'll be the first one to say it. Ten and one, the game's in Bedlam against Oklahoma, and you get to see Brendan Presley take one back. How has that, well, huge man now, because I remember being so tiny, and Coach Glass got a hold of him, all of a sudden he's just a Hulk out here. How have you seen him grow up over the last couple of years? Uh, honestly, it's impressive. You know, he's very smart. Uh, he really – he. He takes care of, you know, he takes care of himself. He takes care of everything, you know. He gets up at 6.30. He's always at the early morning lift. He's always doing extra. He's going to he's going to the AC after. He's in the film room. He's throwing extra, doing extra footwork, extra routes, all that extra stuff. And so, honestly, he's worked for it. So, everything that's coming to him, he's worked for. Nothing was given to him. He worked his tail off for everything that was given to him. Compare him 
to some of the wide receivers that you've been able to throw the ball to, including guys like Tylen Wallace? Where does he rate for you? I put him next to Dylan Stoner. He was just a dog. You know, he's going to do what he has to do to win. You know, whatever the coach says is that's what he's going to do. He's going to do it 110% with a smile on his face, whether he likes it or not. He's going to do it like he loves it, whether he hates it or not. You brought up Mr. Stoner, who I thought would be Mr. Cowboy forever because it felt like he was there for all time. And now you're that guy. Did you ever think that you would be the elder man on campus? Uh, you know, because obviously I was young, you know, didn't think that far ahead. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to play football and then maybe go work at 95 or 95 or maybe I get lucky and I make it. But, you know, now that I'm here, I'm just excited to be here. You know, I'm just trying to live in the moment, enjoy my time here, uh, enjoy this time with my teammates, uh, you know, and just make my family proud and do the best I can. What's been the message from Coach Gundy in winter training during spring football and leading into his preseason camp coming off of that again, that big win against Notre Dame. Uh, this is a new team, so you know, let's go, let's go and set a new record. You know, let's go beat a, let's go beat the record that we did last year. You know, what I'm saying let's go do something new and let's be better. How confident are you that you're going to be better? Oh, I'm confident. Okay, all right. I'm not gonna speak I want to see some of it. That, That's all. I'm excited. That's all? Okay, so the confidence that you have, how have you been able to retain that? Throughout this process, because again, I go back to this, you redshirted, he made you work for it. You had to get to this position. And now that you are in this position, how do you feel? Same way I did before and I was sitting on the bench, you keep your head down and you just work. You don't need the don't need the flashy lights, you don't need the flashy cameras, the flashy suits and stuff like that. You keep your head down, you work your tail off every day. You're gonna get something. Had you met Coach Mason yet? Yeah. Okay. What are your impressions of Coach Mason? Uh, I feel like he's pretty good. Uh, I feel like he's a pretty good guy. You know, we actually uh, were kind of competitive during practice. You know, we talk a little bit of crap to each other back and forth, but it's all love. You know, we all smile at the end of the conversation. Uh, but you know, he's good people. Um, the defense enjoys him. Everybody enjoys being around him. You know, and you can tell he just loves being at Oklahoma State. So we're excited to have him, and let's get this thing going. What would it mean for you to lead Oklahoma State to its first college football playoff invitation? Uh, it would mean the world to me, uh, and that's the plan. I'm not settling for anything less. Spencer Sanders, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by West Virginia head coach, Neil Brown. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me. I want to start with what I thought was a great positive for West Virginia last year in this play of the defense. At one point during the season, it's top 20 defense, and we all know what you're capable of. What has to happen with you, Coach Leslie, and that defense for them to become a top 10 defense and perhaps one of the better defenses in all of college football? Well, the good news is we know what it looks like. Mm. You know, in 2020, we had a top 10 defense, mm -hmm. top five in the country, really, uh, number one pass defense. So we're, we're very familiar with what it looks like. And last year, we just played good defense. Mm. 20 played great. 21 played good. Um, there's a couple things we got to focus on. You know, I think number one is we got to take we got to do a better job of taking the football away. Number two is we've got to stop the run better against the best teams mm -hmm. in our league. We've done a good job versus the middle of the road and the bottom tier of our conference stopping the run. Now those teams that are playing for the conference championship, we've got to do a better job stopping the run. Um, Coach Leslie and his staff, uh, I think they're as good as anybody in college football. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we're going to have a really good plan. We're more athletic than we were a year ago. The strength is up front on the defensive line, but we've completely made over our secondary, mm. and we've become more athletic. We've become longer. We're going to be able to play man covers for the first time in two years, mm. which will allow us to be able to pressure the quarterback more. I'm glad you brought up the secondary because I've just been floored by what you've been able to do in the last three years particularly. What did you change from a teaching standpoint, mm -hmm. if anything, that made you so good? Well, we've been a pre predominantly a zone coverage team, mm -hmm. and the way that we get to our zone looks is different. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're unique on defense. You know, how we move our defensive line and how we get to some of our, our coverage shells mm -hmm. is different than other teams in our league. Um, toward the end of last year, I thought some of the opposing defenses started to, to get a feel for how we were doing it, and they did a, a better job of max protecting. Mm -hmm. And the longer you can protect, you can find holes in zone defense. So the next step for us is we felt like we've got to get more athletic. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've got one really good cover corner in Charles Woods, mm -hmm. who's proven. He transferred from Illinois State. Mm -hmm. We've gone out and gotten two others, um, Wesley McCormick from James Madison, a multiple-year starter. We were shot a Jai from Colorado State. He started 35 plus games. And both of those guys have the ability to play man coverage just like Charles does. And so we can apply more pressure, sending six, seven. Teams can't max protect as much. Now we can play man coverage behind it, and it's going to give us an added dimension. I'm just um, talking out loud here, coach, but you wouldn't happen to know who the starting quarterback is against Pittsburgh, would you? Yeah, for exactly. They, that, I haven't answered that at all. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> And I, you know, I'll give you I'll give you the best answer. Here's what I, here's what I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. Is so when we knew we needed to to make changes at that position, mm -hmm. and we made the decision at Christmas or not Christmas, but after our bowl game, mm -hmm. so whatever early January, that we didn't want to take a transfer at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got three young quarterbacks that we're really excited about. We've got Garrett Green, who's a redshirt sophomore, really athletic. He's played some football. Um, he's got to be more consistent, but he's athletic. Uh, Will Crowder, who's a redshirt freshman, mm -hmm. who's a dual-threat guy. And then Nico Marchio, who's a much-heralded recruit, uh, one of the top quarterback prospects in the country last year, had a tremendous game on national television where he came from behind to beat Bishop Gorman. So we wanted to get those guys reps in the spring. And we felt like if we brought transfer, it would take away from their development. For the long-term health of our program, mm -hmm. we wanted to find out what, what we had. Mm -hmm. And we're really pleased. Um, but it also became clear that we needed to add a veteran presence. And so we were able to add JT Daniels, who who was needing a place where he could go and remind everybody just how good he, he really is. He had a relationship with, with our new offense coordinator, Graham Harrell. They both worked together at, at Southern Cal. And so it worked. Now, he knew, and during the recruiting process, we were really clear for him that it was going to be a competition. He had to come in and earn it. He got here in mid-May, really excited about how he's attacked it. Um, He's really um, bought in into what we're doing from a team aspect. He's done a really good job mentoring, uh, Nico in particular. He's been intentional about developing real relationships with our with our team. And he's worked. You know, he set the standard with his work ethic. And so we're going to have a competition. All four of them have a viable opportunity to win the job, the best man. It's going to be really clear. Mm -hmm. In quarterback competitions, it's always clear because it's a, st it's a statistic <laughs> position. Who scores the most? Who has highest completion percentage? Who makes the best decisions? And so in a quarterback competition that's maybe a little different than an offensive line position, like the winner is always really clear. Mm -hmm. And we feel like during fall camp, at some point, it's going to be clear who our starter is going to be for that pit game. I'm glad you identified one of the things I was going to ask you about, which is his veteran presence. I mean, it's not just that he is a veteran president who started games at SoCal, but also at Georgia. 
He's coming in knowing what it takes to win a national championship. And forgive me, but I see a lot of similarities between your team and that Georgia team that he was quarterbacking in 2020. Do you feel that given that opportunity to lead that quarterback room or even to be a part of that quarterback room, that he gives them an intangible that they perhaps didn't have in spring ball? Well, here's what he does. Here's Mm -hmm. what he brings. Mm -hmm. He's number one recruit in the country. Mm Every year he's in high school. He started his freshman year at Major D, which is one of the handful of guys that's ever done that. He graduated high school a year early. So he essentially wins the job, only one of two quarterbacks at Southern Cal to win the job as a true freshman. And he's a, he's a high school senior. Wins the job. It's productive. Wins the job during Graham's first year. Tears his ACL. Goes to Georgia. 7-0 and as a starter. You know, everybody forgets in 20, he was coming – or in, in 20, during COVID, he was coming back from an ACL, starts the last four games, has a comeback win versus Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl, wins the job during the offseason at Georgia. But he's been injured. Hmm. And that's what he's got to do. He's got to be able to overcome injuries and stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, I think he's as talented as any quarterback in the country. And he's going to have an opportunity to prove that. And so, for us, he's been through. He's handled adversity. He's had injuries. He's had the highest of highs. He's had the lowest of lows. And he's extremely humble. And most importantly for our football team right now, he's hungry. Hmm. And we've got really good pieces. You know, people aren't talking about, we return our top seven offensive linemen, all five starters. we got four guys up front that have started now for three consecutive years. we got two All-American candidates at center and our left tackle are All-American candidates. We've got two receivers that return that are as good as anybody in our league and Bryce Ford Wheaton and Sam James. We've got two tight ends that have played for four years now. We've got a running back by committee that we think is really, really solid. So we've got pieces around him. We've got to elevate our quarterback play, and we've got to make plays, continue to make plays around them. Um, but we feel confident that, that, that any of those four guys can do that. Well, Coach, I'm paying attention, and I say that knowing that Tony Mathis Jr. is right there. I understand running back by committee means something different, but knowing what Letty was able to do for you and what you're capable of at that position – Am I right to believe that that's one of those guys that you're going to lean on? Absolutely. Okay. He's a guy that uh, Tony Mathis has earned the opportunity mm-hmm. to be the first back out there. Mm-hmm. You know, if we played tomorrow, he'd be the starting running back, and he's earned that opportunity. Um, he's had some injuries he had to deal with, mm-hmm. but I thought he played really well at the end of last year, really from our Iowa State game through Texas, and then at Kansas went over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. One of the, the lone bright spots in our bowl game on offense was Tony Mathis. Um, and he's earned that opportunity. He's a tough guy. He's physical. He does a really good job in the pass game. I think he's going to be a guy that very few people are talking about right now, but at the end of the year, yeah. they're going to be like, hey, Tony Mathis is 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 really key to the success that they've had on offense. You know, knowing me, I'm mm-hmm. from Oklahoma. I grew up an OU fan, so I'm watching the way that y'all are going after a very good Oklahoma team play some outstanding football, particularly on the defense. Is there any part of that that you hold on to or you just say, hey, it's an L that we took? Well, you know, looking back on it, I felt like that that game could potentially have been a turning point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was. You know, we thought it was going to be a turning point on the positive side. But um, we really – I thought we managed that game at an elite level. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of first downs offensively. Um, we wanted to keep them off the field offensively. We did that. We get inside of four minutes, and we're inside the 35-yard line in a second-and-short situation with a really an opportunity to continue to move the clock and, and, and lose time. And I really felt like at that position, then we're going to have an opportunity to win this game and kind of walk off here with a, with a really a, a huge momentum win. And so we had a mistake. It didn't happen. They kick a walk-off field goal. 
and and it really hurt us. Mm-hmm. I think that that game carried into the loss we had the next week at Texas Tech, and and we really played poorly against Baylor heading into the bye week. We go into our bye week two and four, mm-hmm. where we had an opportunity maybe to be better. You know, if that game would have gone the right way. Now, credit to our players and our staff. We we redeemed ourselves. We came back and played good football the last six games, gotten bowl eligibility. Um, but they're really talented. And that was a chance that you don't get very often. And it didn't go. But I, but I do think this. It was a great learning point for us because we had some guys that had some opportunities to make critical plays, and they didn't. But what it did is it made them hungrier. Because you could point to those and say, hey, well, maybe if you did this a little bit different than offseason, because I'm a big believer is you make your your own breaks. You mm-hmm. earn those opportunities. And the way you earn them is to work. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a driving force for us as we've gone through the offseason now. Last question for you, Coach, and let's go open-ended, so please indulge me. How do you feel about the future of college football? <laughs> that's very open-ended. Yeah, it is. It is. So here, here's, here's what I'll say about college football. Mm-hmm. We're in a, a period of change, and I think that change will be constant, you know, for the next three or five years. And college football has some major issues. It's also the greatest spectator sport and the most passionate uh, sport there is, in my opinion. But we have our issues, and unfortunately, a lot of those issues have been self-inflicted. If if you look back, we had some opportunities to really shift, you know, what's currently happening, and, and quite simply, we 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 should have shared revenue with the players as the revenue of this sport took off in television dollars and, and those type of things, we, we should have shared that revenue, but we didn't. So now we're willing. The players are empowered. Uh, there's free agency. There's name image likeness. And none of those things are going away. Um, conference realignment now doesn't affect us at the coaches level as much, but the other two do. And so it's, and I think these issues are going to continue to, to, to go on. We need leadership in college football. You know, what is the current model going to look like? You know, right now there, we don't have uh, a centralized governing body. I think we need that. You know, some uh, a body that, that makes decisions for the greater good of all the college the, the college football game. And then we've got to we've got to come up with windows for transfer portal. You know, that's that's fair to both the the programs and the student athlete. So we need to do that. Transfer portal is not going away, but we need to find windows that's good for both. We've got to be able to find on, on name image likeness. I'm for it. I'm a proponent. We're capitalists, right? Everybody should have an opportunity to make money. Our players have that. It should be used as an inducement. And so I think the only way that's going to get corrected is through the federal government, which is going to take time. Hmm. But we've got to find some guardrails for that. And then we've got to find a way to, to expand the playoff. And what is, what is the, what's the correct number? Is there going to be 70 teams that are eligible for it? It's going to be 131. How do we make that work? But there's going to be constant change. But college football will prevail. We'll come out on the other side in a really good position. We can't lose sense of, of who we are. Okay, And what I mean by that, college football is great for two reasons, in my, in my opinion. It's great because of passionate fan bases. And I worry about us putting out those fan bases where they become indifferent. So we got to make sure that we maintain the passion from the fans. The second thing is it's about the growth of the student athlete. And we got to make sure that we continue to pour into these guys for their development in all areas, not just in football. It's a great place to leave it. West Virginia coach Neil Brown, thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Kansas head coach Lance Leipold. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing well today. 
I'm very excited about Kansas football in 2022. And one of the reasons I'm excited is you got the eight months to look forward to <laughs> that you didn't last year. You took the job in May, you get to camp in August, and you're off and running. How confident are you in being able to help and teach this team to be a better team in 2022? Well, very confident. Once you look at the circumstances of last year, like you alluded to, is you jump in and you go. You, you don't have time to reflect on what you don't have. You got to make the most of those times. But now... Um, you know, almost 14 months into this, now we have a better understanding. The players have a better understanding of us. They understand the expectations, the the system, the routines, and now we can go to work and build upon those things. And I think especially the way we finished last year, our guys have really embraced it and are ready for that next challenge. I want to put a pin in last year for just a second because the way that you finished is, is a tale unto itself. But you get there, you see what you have on a football field, and you're a man that's used to not just winning, but winning national championships. What's the challenge for you to institute a culture that leads them in that direction? Yeah, that you know, you, you get into that situation, and it's so unique. And I, I think, you know, you know, multiple coaches for some of these young men. Then you throw the COVID in there, and and really, routines and things were always uh, kind of being you know, really strained in those things of trying to get ready to play games in any fashion. So you, you add those together and you get there and you're trying then to change a system and, and, and put the expectations of the way we want to do things that have worked for us in the past and, and, and change this program. And those are a lot of things were delicate, but, but as we, as we move along and the guys started seeing and, and we started to get that little bit of success, I don't want, I, I don't like the word buy-in because I never felt we didn't have it. I think the acceptance and the acceleration of, hey, we can get this done sooner than expected kind of hit itself. And, and when we had that little taste of success, our guys really were thirsty to get more. And we've been able to see that now in our off-season program. And honestly, I can't wait to get out there in August to see us really kind of go back at it full time. Talking with Kenny, talking with Jalen, uh, and a little bit with Earl, I'm going to say they were waiting to see, okay, what's he about? I'm going <laughs> to give him a shot, and then I'm going to see whether or not I still want to be here. Did you sense any of that? No, but I think, especially today, and the, the ability to to leave, mm -hmm. I, I think it, it had to be there. And, and again, you, you try to focus on what you control. Be yourself. This is what we're going to do. Uh, you mentioned Earl Bostic Jr. I mean, Earl had eight position coaches. I mean, that's that's crazy in today's college football world. So to see that, I, I think, uh, you know, young men, all of us, but all of us in general, I mean, we're waiting to see. We want to have relationships. We want to trust. We want to, uh, you know, I guess that word buy-in is there. But, you know, okay, is this going to be? Because when you have multiple coaches, as you, you know, well, I like the way this guy did this part. I like what you do here. And it kind of you and, and that's where I think programs can struggle is that when there's the selective buy in, I think our guys have done an understood really accepted to the fact that they see the consistency within our weight program, our strength coach, Matt Gildersleeve, all those things that, hey, this is the way they're going to do it. And we can see that it can win for us. And I think our guys are ready to take that step, as I said earlier. Earl, I believe, is in it. A tremendous example of Kansas football today and quite honestly past having mm -hmm. started and think in 2017 mm -hmm. at KU and you mentioned the eight position coaches and the several head coaches that he's felt he's had but the thing that he harped on was you just getting to know him and he mm -hmm. says look that's just not what I'm used to I'm not used to a head coach <laughs> wanting to know anything about me just go out there and do the yeah. job why did you make that effort and how do you make that effort? Because I could see his, you know, on him individually, which which you have to try to find those times with other guys, but he's very talented and you could see. And, but you, 
he, he's very smart individual, but very guarded. And mm -hmm. I was, you're trying to figure out why the walls were there. Mm -hmm. And as you could see, and, and you try to tell him about how talented and you could have a future doing this and, and where it was at for him, he didn't give up a sack in the last 10 games. And he had given up like 11 in the 11 previous, you know, to see him gain confidence and trust in his position coach and what we're doing. I joke with him about coming in my office because I asked him, how many times have you walked in the head coach's office? And he, it wasn't even like three times. So when he kept saying, I kind of, so we kind of joke and we send little, you know, emoji and gifs to each other, you know, it's kind of, and so, and he, and he finds out that, you know, as I try to tell guys, we are not, we are not the opponent. We are not the enemy. We're the ally in this to get us all to where we want to go. Okay. I understand you didn't pick us, but we picked you and we want to help you get there. No, I, I'm, I'm a godfather. I'm, I'm a quasi stepdad. I understand. And a lot of this is just you reaching them. It's not incumbent upon them right. to reach you. And what I got out of Earl in this discussion is you're a teacher and you hired a bunch of teachers because he said, hey, the game's simple for me now. That's why I played so well to finish the season. They made it simple. It's run and pass. I don't have to think about anything else except my own technique. Right. And and we tried, and, and I think that's part of when, when you get into what, what we're going to be about next is you know, the staff we've assembled is, is I've, I've always go back to people I know and trust. I think that's human nature sometimes, but guys that I've worked with, and I know how they're going to be consistent, how they're going to treat the guys, how they're going to recruit. And, and the consistency in, in Earl's case is going to help elevate his game. And I think he's on the verge of doing some great things this year as we have others. And I think when they see it, and I go back to those consistencies in teaching that they see and they start talking to each other, it's hard not to buy in when they see the results. November in particular, I think, was a banner month for mm -hmm. Kansas football. You had great play out of your quarterbacks. Jalen came on strong in that Texas mm -hmm. game. We'll talk about it. But you also saw, mm -hmm. hey, that was an undefeated Oklahoma team that you had on the ropes. <laughs> I understand there are no moral victories. I get that. But you had to feel good about how your kids were fighting and the kind of football they were playing. Absolutely. Um, to, to see the way they competed. I mean, they were undefeated coming in, 11 o'clock kickoff, overcast, maybe a third of the stadium field. I mean, there's a lot of things. And we talked about that Friday night in the hotel that, mm -hmm. hey, this is going to stack to our favor if we take advantage of it. And when I think we had like 12 or 13 play drive to start the game, drew them off sides. We played with good discipline and execution. So those are things. And then that confidence just starts to build. And I think when you look at it and in the case of everything happening and even realignment that, you know, we play our best football against Texas and Oklahoma. I think that's something that can help build confidence that, hey, we can play with people if we keep doing that. But as you said, I'm really proud of how we finished the year because you can go to Austin in November one and eight and, and kind of go through the motions and, and things can get away from you and, you know, and just play out the schedule. And we did not do that. And that's what I'm really most proud of. And I think our guys have also embraced, we're not in the moral victory mm -hmm. business and, you know, and we're not going to act that way. We're going to be, we're going to take some small victories of improvement, but we're not going to sit there and feel that that's the end for us. And I, and I think that's been another positive is that, I sense the players feel the same way. One of the strengths on the field, I think, for Kansas this year is the offensive line. Am I wrong there? Yeah, I mean, it's it, four of the five starters coming back, and we've got some good season veterans, and I thought they played well last year. Our depth there is one that is, is going to be the next, and we have to stay healthy. Knowing you have that, and to know you have a guy like Devin Neal back there who is a hometown kid, how excited are you to see 
just these dudes take care of what they can take care of and see what happens. Right. Yeah. It, and, and they really see, you know, we talked about Jalen a little bit too. Mm -hmm. I think we've made it simplistic enough that as Earl alluded to, that we can do some things without overloading them. We can find things to, to, uh, to be able to be successful at, but when you when you have a hometown young man like Devin Neal who's passionate, but he grew up during these tough times, but yet he's passionate about wanting to change them. Transfer running back Kai Thomas, who's from Topeka, again somebody that's coming home that wants to make a difference. So when we have those guys, and and uh, but as we'll always strive for is to create that right balance that we don't become too one dimensional as a team. You mentioned uh, one transfer. I want to talk about another. People ready for what Lonnie Phelps is able to do <laughs> at Kansas? Do you want? Am I not supposed to say that loud? <laughs> I don't know, man. You you always do your research. Okay. You know, you're always so good at it. You did that last year to me too. But uh, you know, uh, Lonnie's been a great addition. You know, we had Kyron Johnson, understand, kind of converted outside linebacker playing defensive end, was drafted by the Eagles in the sixth round. You know, we needed to find as we transitioned to that four man front, we needed to find more true defensive end type players, the bigger end, the twitchier guy. And and Lonnie was somebody that, uh, you know, we were able to bring into the program. We're excited about him. But, you know, he's going to line up against some pretty good tackles in 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 this conference and he'll go. But um, we're looking forward to his contributions as one of the, the guys that have, you know, joined our program since January. Speaking a little generally, Coach, uh, this is the most even that I think I've seen a Big 12 in my life, quite honestly. It feels mm -hmm. like everything's moving closer toward the middle and your program is a tremendous reason why that is. That said, how do you feel about the future <laughs> of college football, in particular, the Big 12? Well, it's, I, I, it's great to hear you say that for a program like us, that things are coming in because that's what we have to do. We got to get ourselves in that next middle part to, that we compete and find ways to win ball games. And if things are coming in as, you know, I, I think they've always talked about that since scholarships went to 85, that things were going to give it. I, you, you worry about the portal and things where the rich will get richer. And, you know, I think it'll be interesting to watch if, you know, the age of each roster. Are there are people playing with juniors and seniors, 20 or 20 or 21 year olds, or or what what will that be for programs to develop and hang on to players and go like that? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for us, I, I think it's a good sign if things are balanced. I, I, again, to your point, we're looking to two teams that played for the conference championship or not against anyone else those were the two best teams in our conference and they played like it all year and on in all three facets and and i hope but at the same time i think those are obtainable ways for us to grow and compete against those type of schools and that in the style that they're playing um does that mean that two conferences or something are going to pull away from everyone as far as talent as long as along with resources i think time will tell it's interesting you bring up Oklahoma State and Baylor having played for the conference championship and then acquit the Big 12 quite well, winning the Sugar Bowl <sighs> and then winning the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame, Ole Miss for the Sugar Bowl. Do you take pride in that or do you just see, no, those are two teams we have to beat? Well, I think pride, yeah. I mean, there's things that you always go because you, you recruit against them and play against them. But yeah, I, I, I think there's still that when people take their shots at your conference or whatever, I mean, you know, I was, uh, I coached in the Mac for, for six years. You take a lot of shots, you know, and, and you go through that stuff. But um, I think probably some of the things I didn't understand about, you know, you, you always hear about this conference going to spread it out and throw the ball around and that. 
and you watch people playing with a lot of tight ends on the field and, and being extremely physical and running the football and doing things with play action. That, not to say there's not a lot of talented receivers, but there's a lot of things about this conference I learned in, in year one um, about style of play and physicality that I think was uh, it can many times go um, under the radar. Can I ask you to pinpoint just one example of one of those things that went under the radar? Just going, I don't know that y'all have the Big 12 nailed to the wall just yet. Well, you know, I think the turnaround, I mean, Dave Aranda did such a great job, you know, and, you know, and they implemented something. I mean, their starting center played for us at Buffalo, you know, and, uh, um, but they did such a good job in, in, in physical running team. I mentioned Oklahoma State. I think uh, Coach Gundy's done a great job being that type of team. And, but, you know, um, Probably not surprising, but is you know Matt Campbell's team and what they do offensively. But I thought TCU and others. I, I just thought overall there were some things there. Um, but again, when you when you look at you look at others in the league, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, and the speed and athleticism on both sides of the ball was really impressive for us. And and uh, but it it still goes down to being ready to play each and every week because I, I think that's even we when we're talking about our schedule is making sure our players can turn the page week to week, embrace the newest challenge, rise to the occasion. We talk about every every Saturday after every game, you got to own what's on film, good or bad, and then we got to go back to work. And And I think uh, when we add four new schools, I think it's going to make it even more challenging and even more exciting. My last question for you, Coach. Uh, I had great fun watching your team get that win for Texas. I know what it meant for them. I know what it meant for their parents. I know what it meant for Jayhawks. That's the closest that I've seen Kansas play anything like in a bowl game in years. And I was mentioning this to Devin Neal. He was three the last time that mm-hmm. Kansas played in an Orange Bowl. It's been that long. What do you think it would mean to the program, to the fans that have been with this program for so long, to play in a bowl game this year? Oh, it would be huge. It would be huge. I, you know, again, I try to balance that all the time because I don't want expectations to exceed the, the pace of what it, what it, what it really – can be if if we can we get to that point that would be you know it would be awesome because the one thing i did learn in my first three months especially in town and going around the state we have a lot of loyal passionate fans that have been going through this through through the thick you know and coach mangino and the orange bowl and things like that and they've gone through the thin and you know it's um you know, how many people, I've had season tickets for 25 years. We're at, we're at every one and things like that. And they deserve that. Mm-hmm. You know, our young men are gonna work hard and if they earn it, they earn it. Our fans deserve it as well. And I hope we can deliver that sooner than later. Coach Lance Leipold, thank you so much for the time, sir. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm pleased to be joined by Kansas State coach, Chris Kleiman. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to the discussion. I wanna start with this. Last year, I had asked you, what's going to stop you from handing the ball to Deuce Vaughn maybe 200 times? You're like, we're going to ease him in. Handed the ball 235, 1,400 yards, first-team All-American, the only returning first-team All-American in this conference. How did you do that, Coach? I fooled you, didn't I? <laughs> you know? Uh, a, I know how good he is, yeah. and I knew how good he was. And I still think last year there were some questions about, is this is this kid an every down back mm. or is he just a receiving back and I remember last year telling a lot of people here this kid's a terrific in between the tackles runner um, but you got to see it to believe it mm. and he did it over and over again in every game and so we're excited to have him back for another year that's for sure 
he's one of my favorite players. I'm short. He's short. I call him a short king. He's dynamo superhero for me. He also reminds me of another five foot six, 170 pound tailback by the name of Darren Sproles. Mm -hmm. He seems to embrace that. He said blueprint when I asked him, what does that mean yep. to you? Do you think that we're right to think of him as perhaps a... Uh, Another version of Darren Sproles. I think so, um, mainly because of the stature. Mm. Uh, Darren Sproles is is one of the greatest of all time, and it had done it at a high level in college and in the NFL. What's neat in the comparison is the fact that Darren's been around our program, and those two have had the chance to meet and interact and probably share some messages back and forth. And so um, I think, in fact, they both played at K-State and probably unheralded guys out of high school. Uh, people root for those those stories and uh, um, excited to be to get to know uh, Darren Sproles and really excited that Deuce Vaughn's a member of the Wildcats. I was talking with him about his recruitment, and he was like, it really wasn't there. There were coaches that told me I just didn't fit what they were doing. Yep. They were going another direction. Kansas State said they were going to give me an opportunity, and I seized it. A lot of coaches would have come off of a Deuce Vaughn. What led you to believe, no, not only am I right about this, you're going to see how right about this I might be. Did you see his highlight tape in high school? <laughs> yeah, I That's did. That's the first thing. Okay. I, I don't care how big backs are. Mm. That kid never took a direct hit, mm. and – um, had a great balance to him and great change of direction and speed and quick, all the little things that you see when you have him on film. And then we were probably wise enough to bring him in on an official visit. His, just his mother came with him on that visit and sitting him in the room, he lights up the whole room. And he's done, he's done that ever since that day. And the support he has from his parents, I was like, this kid's going to make it. And the first thing we said, and we really said, all we had to say to him was, we believe in you, and we believe you're in every down back. Mm. And I think he jumped at that to say, because I'm sure he probably didn't hear that from everybody, yeah. that you're in every down back. And, you know, he eased himself in as, as a freshman in the in the COVID year and then burst on the scenes at Oklahoma, and then it's kind of never stopped. And uh, uh, that infectious smile and personality, I see it every day, and it lights up the room, and it lights up the guys that maybe have bad body language that day, like, boy, this is miserable uh, to be able to work out, to do whatever. And they're like, boy, you see that kid, and, and you, you just rise up. You're adding to that backfield in the form of Adrian Martinez. What led you to identify him, or Coach Klein to identify yep. him, and recruit him to Kansas State? Uh, obviously watched him from afar, uh, and being the fact that they were two hours from us, probably saw a few more of his games. Uh, and when he entered the the transfer portal, um, we were looking for somebody. and But we're looking for something in particular, some mm -hmm. some some skill set as well as a maturity to him. Probably weren't looking for a three-year guy. Mm -hmm. We're looking for a bridge-the-gap one-year guy with some really good young players that we have. And so Colin went up and, and had a conversation with him. We were fortunate that he was only two hours away, so we were able to bring him down unofficially, mm -hmm. get around him, get around our players, then bring him back officially, bring his parents in from California, sold him on our vision as a football team, our vision as him as a quarterback, and um, you know, just told him we believed in him. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing. Uh, I think he just felt very, uh, very genuine about what he was hearing that now I've got a chance here. And we knew he was going to miss spring ball, you know, because he was coming off an injury. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you've played 50 games. I'm okay with you not being in spring ball. Just learn our offense and get to know our players and build that bond with the guys. And that's what he did. 
I understand his appeal. He's very polished. And even Deuce is going, no, I learned my leadership from watching how he interacts with mm-hmm. us, how he leads. And he says, we're watching film today and we all go. On the field, there's some things to fix. I don't think it's shy to say he threw 30 interceptions in those 50 games. Mm-hmm. How do you think Coach Klein can help him take care of, take better care of the football? Well, it's something that's an emphasis mm-hmm. uh, for us. Um, and the one thing that's different with Adrian, and it's why – when people say, give me a word that describes Adrian, it's mature. Hmm. Uh, you ask him, and we watch film, I got to own it. I, I got to be better there. Hmm. It wasn't the play call. It wasn't a wide receiver running the wrong route. It wasn't an old lineman uh, missing a block. I, I've got to play better. I, I've got I've to own it. I, I've got to be I've got to be better rather than uh, if, I, if the play call would have been better or, you know, if that lineman would have blocked or they're supposed to be right. He owned it. Hmm. And – that part of it shows me great maturity and the fact of let's not trip of what trip on what is behind us. Let's move forward. And I really think because of my relationship with Colin Klein and getting to know him, especially um, during the transition when he became offensive coordinator, I think it's a perfect marriage, to be honest with you. I think these two see alike. They think alike. Um, and I'm excited for those two uh, to, to start fresh. Colin's getting the first year as an offensive coordinator. Adrian's getting a fresh start uh, at a school um, that believes in him. And so I think it's a great marriage. I'm excited to see it. I, I'm old enough to still just be coming out of college when Colin was doing what he was doing at Kansas State. Yep. I know about his legend in Manhattan. I'm sure Adrian does too. I'm still interested to know how you identified him as a play caller that you thought could do this year one at a Power 5 program like the one that you are maintaining. Um one, he's a better man uh, and a man of faith than he is a football coach. Mm. That's the first thing I'd say about, about CK. Uh, he and I went on the road together for the first week after our last regular season game with Texas and had some had some good dialogue just about him as a football coach. Um, then we made a change, and I, I believe in Colin Klein, and I, I think he is a rising star in this profession. And I, I didn't want to make any changes at all prior to a bowl game. And I had a gut feeling that Colin should lead this team during that bowl game. And I thought once he led the team during the bowl game, I thought it would take care of itself. Never promised him the job, mm-hmm. promised him the opportunity to lead through the bowl game. But each day as it went on, and I told him this after the bowl game, um, Colin, I was, I, you, you were hired before that game was ever played because of how you commanded the room, because of how you had the immediate respect of the wide receivers, the O-line, the defensive backs, everybody uh, of just how you represent yourself, how you represent Kansas State, and how important it is to you. And it just was icing on the cake that we played maybe one of our best games of the year. Uh, maybe the other one was here against Stanford to start mm. the season. So we bookend pretty good pretty good wins in, in NFL stadiums. But I just said, Colin, you're ready for this opportunity. And it was – it was over with, and then uh, he's he's rolling and he's excited. I, I know great things are coming for Colin Klein. I'm excited to see this 2022 season, and one of the reasons is what Kansas State is capable of. To say nothing of your in-state rival in Kansas, I've been following Big 12 football since I was a child. I don't know that I've ever seen it being this toward the middle mm-hmm. of everybody really being able to get after everybody else. Is that how you feel about this league? I do, okay. uh, and I finally feel like we are a part of that. Mm. My first three years, I felt I felt like we were growing and getting better, 
but I didn't know. Yeah, we could beat somebody like we beat Oklahoma mm-hmm. uh, on, on a given on a given day because it clicked for us and we we played really well. But I also thought we could lose a game to anybody, and we we've done that to a variety of schools. Um, and, and this year, you know, it's it's year four. Uh, the culture that we want to indoctrinate in our guys is is set. Our locker rooms as good as it's ever been, uh, with guys like the kids that are here on this on this trip leading that locker room. That expectations are are high, but that's what you want. And does that mean we're going to uh, run the table? No, but uh, the belief is there, mm-hmm. and we have uh, a good opportunity to be successful if we continue to go one step at a time and not look at the big picture. Just look at what's in front of us, which is the rest of the summer and the month of August, getting ready for South Dakota on September third. Coach, I'm looking forward to seeing your football team play against South Dakota and what you're capable of in 2022. Thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be joined by Kansas State quarterback Adrian Martinez. Adrian, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Well, it's kind of interesting to see you with purple socks, purple tie. How is Manhattan? How are you liking life? as a K-Stater? It's been great. You know, uh, I really think the coaches and the players have done a great job of helping me transition, and uh, I feel like I hit the ground running, so it's been really good to me. What brought you to K-State in the first place? Yeah, so uh, really a combination of things. You know, uh, the coaches, um, really the program, the culture, and and the players. We have a really good group of veteran guys coming back on this team, and uh, I felt like I could fit right in and also add to what they have and and, uh, really – take shape for a good season. When you made the decision to jump into the portal, right, leaving Nebraska, how soon did Coach Klein or even perhaps Coach Kleiman reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure they were the first call I took, and it was, I mean, instantly announced at 12. It was 12.05, and I was already on the phone talking with teams and, and uh, you know, interacting and, and forming relationships. And, I mean, that was a good feeling, too, because there's a little bit of unknown when you put your name in the portal, what that reaction's going to be like. But uh, right away, and then even that night, I met with Coach Klein for dinner and, you know, hit the ground running with that relationship, too. That night. So, Lincoln, quite a bit of ways, right? Yeah. From it's, Manhattan. It's a decent – it's only two and a half hours, actually. Okay. But okay. he was – I think he might have been in Kansas City or he was somewhere else, mm-hmm. and he literally – soon as he saw that he start he drove uh, all the way to Lincoln and met me for dinner so I, I think even that kind of uh show was was enough right there in itself to know that like they really wanted me to be on on their team it's college football and it's very nice to be recruited yeah it's, I mean there's there's <laughs> nothing that beats that feeling but once you have that dinner and you sit down what is he explaining to you what promises might he have made if he made any at all mm. and th- and that's something I, I really took notice of as well because mm. You know, recruiting can be tough. It can be tricky, and there are a lot of promises that aren't necessarily fulfilled, mm-hmm. right? And they didn't promise me anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they told me the situation, how it was, why they wanted to recruit me, and what they were expecting, and it was fully transparent, and mm-hmm. that's something I really appreciated. You know, anytime someone's guaranteeing you a spot, I, I wouldn't believe them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they were honest, and, you know, hey, you got to come in and compete. We feel really confident about you, really confident about this team, and we'd really like for you to come join us. And uh, I think they did their part, and I did mine, and feel really good about it all. Once you make the decision, you're ingrained in what I think is one of the great hamlets of college football because in Manhattan, it means something different to be playing for the Wildcats. Do you have an experience that you can share with us? Maybe it was out and about where you got to feel the full force of what it means for you to be the quarterback at Kansas State. Mm. 
Well, I'll say this, you know, it, it's really a daily occurrence. Mm. You know, when you're in the town, it's such a small college town community feel um, where they really make you feel at home, which is nice for me, but also there's always eyes on you. You're always recognized and that's part of it, you know, and I, I've definitely felt the love since being in Manhattan. Was it hard at all for you to make the decision to go into the portal and leave Nebraska where you played four years of football? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, I have family there, you know, like not blood, but, you know, been through some stuff with those guys and, and teammates and friends for life I have over there, some of my best friends, and felt a real sense of responsibility for Nebraska and the Nebraska program. So uh, it wasn't easy to leave, but I felt like it was the right time uh, to seize a new opportunity and something fresh, you know, to, to drive me in a new way. Last year was eventful for Nebraska football and for you in particular. Uh, it's sort of a dubious honor, but I do want to raise it. The best three and nine team in the history of college football, the close games you played, the ways in which it just didn't go well for you. I mean, it's a team that just as easily could gone. It feels like nine and three things go your way. One of those games in particular, I want to talk about uh, Oklahoma. Mm. Do you ever think about throwing that pass that DJ Graham made his uncanny circus act catch to do? You know, I really don't even think twice about it. Mm. Yeah, what's funny is I see it all the time and I, I'll get tagged uh, in like a video they post mm. on Instagram or whatever. Um, but it was, I mean, it was fourth and 18. <laughs> and I mean, you got to give someone a chance, right? I mean, good on him. He made t-shirts and we all laughed about it. And like, I still laugh about it. It's funny and he made a great play. I'm glad. I don't think he won play of the year, so I don't have to watch it too much, right? So it is what it is. It's part of playing football. Guys will make plays. I mean, I'm used to it. Shoot watching the draft every year in the Big Ten, you'd get a D-end, you know, coming out in the first round, and sure enough, I'd be on that highlight tape. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. Uh, don't get too worked up about it, and, you know, props to him. I will say there are many Oklahoma fans that probably believe what you believe, which is, hey, you should have batted it down. <laughs> it's like, no, I, I would have loved that. Everybody would have enjoyed that. But that was an example of a game that it felt like you guys had an opportunity at Nebraska to win. I mentioned that you had those opportunities. How have you used those opportunities to make yourself a better quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's definitely been a learning experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I personally, I don't believe you can truly succeed or feel what it, how, how great it will feel to succeed without the failure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I've definitely experienced that and I've grown more as a person than a football player, which I value. You know, I think that's the important piece and uh, looking to bring all those experiences mostly the positive ones to K-State and, and learn from them. You know, they've had a lot of success and they've beaten Oklahoma and, and they've gone to bowl games and won bowl games and um, stuff like that. I'm really looking to learn from them about and I uh, feel like I'm ingrained in that culture. I'm sure they're looking to learn from you too because, again, being the Big Ten West, Iowa's formidable, Minnesota's formidable, and that's before we even talk about the Big Ten East. Is there a team, perhaps it's Oklahoma, that you were excited about playing against as Kansas State quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say Oklahoma, mm. you know, getting that rematch, getting to go back and play at Oklahoma will be a ton of fun. And then just playing new opponents. You know, I did play for four years in Nebraska and played in the Big Ten West. And you see those guys a lot and you get really familiar with them and they get really familiar with you. So um, I'm excited for some fresh blood, different teams, different element, different environments and, and really get a new experience here in the Big 12. Hey, man, uh, you're going to see a lot of the same as what I think is going to happen because <laughs> the similarities are also there between what Nebraska football means in Lincoln and what Kansas State football means in Manhattan. And I'm looking forward to you getting experience Bill Snyder Family Stadium because it's a fantastic environment. Alongside you, though, is a dynamo. 
a for real superhero, one of my short king all-stars, as I'm a short man, <laughs> Deuce Vaughn has a special place in my heart. How soon did you get to understand, oh, this dude, he goes, he's a little bit different. Oh, I mean, right away, mm -hmm. right away. And you watch film, you see it across the nation, right? You, you can keep track of who the dudes are. I mean, he's an all-American. His mm -hmm. resume speaks for itself. Um, but I will give a quick example, like just a simple 10 yard out, you know, you have the guy, some guys will jump up and catch it. Some guys will make it look difficult. No matter where you put the ball, do somehow makes it look easy. And I think that that speaks a lot more for, it's just such a simple thing, but, um, everything he does is smooth and, uh, he's a tremendous leader and, um, guy can do it all on the football field. Coach Kleiman came in with a tremendous resume himself, right? Having won those national championships at North Dakota State. It's been a little bit more difficult in the Big 12 than it has been for him as Bison. But one of the things I really admire about him is the way that that team plans, the way that they go into practice, the way that they execute on the field. How has that manifest for you? Are there some examples you can point to about how detail-oriented that staff can be? Yeah, um, I would just point to the special team's emphasis. You know, um, whether it's walkthroughs, meetings, there's a real emphasis on special teams. And, um, you know, they're one of the best units in the country, and they pride themselves on that. And I think even just that small detail and how much that matters when it comes to winning games um, really shows how much that staff cares about every little thing. Coach Klein has an opportunity, right, in you to show what he's capable of as well. How excited was it for you to say a, a man who wants to put himself to the test by bringing you in and expects you, right, to operate at the high level, well, that he did, quite honestly. Like, he is a legend in and of himself at Kansas State, so him to tap you to say, hey, no, I think you can do this too. I think this is there for you. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's, it's powerful. You know, the guy, uh, Heisman finalist, mm. won the Big 12. He knows what it takes to do it at Kansas State. And, uh, you know, that speaks for itself, and you wouldn't know it necessarily by talking to him. He's an incredibly humble guy, and he's already taught me so much about life, you know, which I really appreciate. I think he has a unique ability to connect with his players, and, uh, you know, I really enjoyed that. And what's cool being a part of this first year is you get to work with him, and I think that's what's been awesome for me is it's coach and player, yes, but, you know, he's asking me things. I'm asking him things, and it feels like there's a mutual respect there. Has Coach Kleiman been able to – differentiate himself to you with other coaches you've had. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and mention Scott Frost, as far as I'm concerned, won a national championship before he took the job at Nebraska. He was very well known for what he did at Oregon. We all know about him as a player. There are similarities, I think, between the two, but I would like to hear you talk about the differences. Yeah, you know, I'll say this about Coach Kleiman. Um, not necessarily that Coach Frost doesn't have these traits, but I, I really think he's done a great job of connecting with players um, and has the respect of the team and knows guys on a personal level that goes a long way with them. Um, and he's done a great job of building the culture. I think there's a, a standard that is really well known that he enforces that um, guys respond really well to. Uh, and yeah, he comes from a winning background and guys know that. And he's really passionate about winning and taking care of us, whether that's workouts or on the field. He's very uh, present in that moment. I think that speaks a lot about him. Uh, I really enjoyed playing for Coach Frost. Mm -hmm. I will say, you know, he was a, a player's coach and a, and a guy who um, was really, really cool to be around. Adrian Martinez, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Kansas State tailback Deuce Vaughn. Christopher Matthew Vaughn II. Deuce, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. This is a surreal feeling to be here today. Well, I'm excited to talk with you because this is my first opportunity to do so. And I've told everybody who will listen, 
you one of my superheroes. <laughs> you a short king making it happen. Yes, sir. So I want to start with this. Did you know you are the only first team All-American in this conference from last year? Uh, I did not know that, mm. actually. I did not. That's that's pretty crazy to even think about. It really is. And as an all-purpose player, I might add, so all over the map. But I say that to lead into, did you expect, well, obviously you did not expect to be a first-team All-American going in 2021, or did you? It was it was a goal of mine. Okay. It was a goal of mine. Uh, I knew I wanted to be a really good football player coming into my sophomore year to build off of my freshman year. Uh, I had different goals, but, uh, I mean, the end result was always to be uh, a really good football player, whether that meant I had this accolade beside my name or not. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be the best football player I could be at Kansas State this past year. And now that you have achieved that stature, right, what is left for you to do, you think, in this sport? Continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Continue to grow as a football player. Continue to grow as a leader, as a competitor. And, man, I mean, there's always, always another game to play. Always another practice. Always another lift. Always another uh, way to grind. And that's what I'm excited about. Is there's so much more space to grow uh, in my game as a person, as a leader. And uh, I'm so excited for that. I think that we also need to just linger a little bit on that. Just what you accomplished last year and what you've accomplished in the first two years at Kansas State. Because I was looking up some stats, because that's that's what I do. I look at stats. But there's only one other player who has averaged more yards per play from scrimmage in the Big 12 than you have. And the guy who was just ahead of you is Vince Young. He's at 6.9. You're at 6.8. I believe Kennedy Brooks has a record 7.0. So when you hear that stat and you hear those numbers and you hear those men mentioned, what do you think? Humbling. Hmm. Um, Unbelievably humbling to be... Uh, mentioned in a sentence with Vince Young, uh, one of the greatest football players that ever played a sport. Uh, man, it's 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 surreal, and yeah, you understand that you still have a lot more work to do. But it's 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 a really cool feeling. Now that you are a known commodity, I say you're a known commodity. I think you're one of the most slept on players in all of college football because the number of people that happen upon wait, first team All American at tailback Kansas State. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's been tearing people up, and now they know. If nothing else. They saw what you did against LSU in the bowl game. What do you think that did for Kansas State as a program to get that win against a team that was quite literally winning national championships just two years earlier? Absolutely. I feel like it kind of put us on the map in a sense. Uh, Mm -hmm. We were always known for being that underdog, that uh, gritty team, uh, Kansas State. That's what we're known for. And we're always going to keep that close to us because that's exactly who we are. But we, I feel like we have a really, really special team this year. And we're getting ex- we're, getting, we're getting really excited as fall camp starts to come around and the season start to start uh, that, man, we, we have some we have a chance to do something really special. And uh, the LSU game this past year in the bowl game was just, just the beginning. And we have guys that have left uh, the program since that game. We've had guys come in. And uh, it's all about the culture that we're building here. And uh, that's exactly what we're going to fall back on as we get into the season, as we get into the, the dog days of the year. You're adding what I think is a really talented quarterback in Adrian Martinez, who also brings four years of playing in the Big Ten at one of the most storied college football programs ever. What, if anything, have you learned from him since he arrived in Manhattan? I've learned how to be a leader, first and foremost. He's a natural leader. He got here in January. You kind of tell he has an it factor. Uh, He meshed and gelled into the team seamlessly in a sense it's been six months but it feels like he's been with us for the past four years the way that uh he's communicated with us the way that uh he has brought guys along even though he's already been here for six months if he's watching film he's letting people know and then we're going to go up there and watch film with him he's if he's outside throwing routes he's going to let people know he's going to be out there with him so just how to be a leader uh not only vocally 
but also just in your actions and the way that you pull people along with you. And sometimes some may be, may be having a day, but you're still going to pull because you understand that you're going to need them whenever it comes to week seven, week eight of the season. The w- work that you put in now is going to be a testament to how uh, you play in the fall. Did you always want to be a tailback? I did, actually. Uh, I grew up watching Barry Sanders. So, I mean, uh, the elegance, the magic that he created on the football field, it, it led me to being wanting to be in the backfield. But when I was younger, I was always catching footballs and stuff like that. So receiver was always like the glamorous one, but I knew I always wanted to be in the backfield. Adrian paid you a compliment. I was asking him to explain when did the full force of Deuce Vaughn introduce itself to you? He's like on a 10 yard out. He just made it look easy catching the football. So it shows, right? It shows what you like and how you like it and how you work at it. But that's also Kansas State football, right? When I think of Kansas State football, it is, no, we're, we're going to show up with a rock. We're going to hit you in the head with it. And we're going to see if you fight back. Does that mentality mean something to you or am I getting this wrong? No, absolutely. Uh, our motto is pound the stone. Mm-hmm. Every single day you wake up and you're not going to get better. You're not going to be exactly where you want to be in two days, in three days. But you have to wake up you have to pound the stone, pound the stone, pound the stone. Those are your goals. The stone, the stone is your goal. Mm-hmm. You're pounding at it. You're pounding at it. Pounding at it. it feels like, man, we're not really getting anywhere. Before you know it, a month, two months down the road, you've been pounding, you've been pounding. It's going to break. You can grab another stone, you can put it there and keep pounding again. That's really our motto. That's how we do things here at Kansas State. We wake up every single day and we say, we're going to get 1% better today. We're going to get that much better today. Before you know, you're going to build on that and build on that and build on that. And you're going to do wonderful things because of it. You were not an unknown commodity in Round Rock. Like, I know about you. I'm from the university. Well, I say I'm from the university. I'm from Tulsa. I went to the University of Tulsa. But I keep my ear to the ground in the area. Right. So when you decided to commit to Kansas State, I think you turned a bunch of heads. So I I need to ask you, what went into that decision to end up being the dude who picks Kansas State coming out of Texas? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, My recruitment as far as uh, whenever I was in high school was, I mean, pretty lack thereof Mm. in a sense, just because of size and um, wasn't a fit in a couple of programs minds uh, because of my size. And I've been told no. And uh, we're going to go in a different direction because of it. And uh, it never deterred me. It was never something that I uh, had any resentment or ill will to any programs because of it. I understood the, the game. I understood the politics behind it. Um, but I knew that there would be one one team that gave me an opportunity to be who I was as a football player. And Kansas State did that. Uh, I'll never forget getting that call from Coach Anderson, Coach Kleiman, uh, and them pretty much telling me they believe in me telling me that they're, they're not going to change anything in their offense. Uh, they're going to throw me right in as a running back, and they're going to use me in a whole bunch of different ways. And all I had to do was come out there and prove to them that I'm the football player that they thought they think I am. And uh, I can't even put into words the the amount of gratitude I have for them for giving me the opportunity and then uh, just letting me go out and do what, do what I'd love to do, and that's play football. Coach Kleiman tried to slow play me about this time last year. I'm like, okay, what's going to stop you from handing the ball to do seven and a half yards deep and say, hey, go do something with it? We're going to try to ease him in. You know, we don't want to overuse him. 235 rushes, 1,404 yards rushing, and then whatever you did, receiving the football, catching the football. Who prepared you for that sort of workload? And what is the strength and conditioning like at Kansas State? So, uh, actually, Coach uh, True and his staff actually got in during the around springtime this past year, um, the year before my sophomore year, and uh, completely, completely changed our bodies mm-hmm. as far as uh, the way that 
I mean, my body looked going into my sophomore year compared to my freshman year is completely different. And same with everybody on the team. The work that we did inside the weight room, out on the football field with our strength and conditioning staff was hard. It was tough. It was grueling. But you understood the why. You understood that whenever we look back, we're going to understand exactly why we're doing all of this. We're going to be like, man, I can see a physical change in my body. I feel faster. I feel stronger. Um, and I'm ready to go. And that's exactly what happened. So I have to give my utmost thanks to them, to those guys in the, uh, the strength uh, conditioning staff, uh, but also myself taking care of my body every single day. I pride myself on that. Get in the cold tub every day, get in the Normatec, stretching, cupping, uh, whether that be scraping, stre- all types of stuff every single day. I mean, countless hours put into it to make sure that whenever I get to Saturday, I'm going to be getting hit 30, 50 times a game, make sure that my body's ready for it. And then waking up on Sunday, understanding what's hurting, and then taking care of it throughout the week to get ready for the next Saturday. I realize that a lot of people that are listening and watching this are going to be Kansas State fans, so they understand, but I'm going to say this for, for my own sense of just being serious about it. It's cold. It's cold in Manhattan in November. It's real cold. I've covered games there. My toes <laughs> have wanted to fall off. How is it that you, coming from a part of Texas that I know is hot almost year-round, adapted to that cold weather? Mm-hmm. It, it's not playing with nobody. It is not. And I wish I had like a real, real cool answer for you because I be cold out there. I do. But I feel like the adrenaline of just being in the game takes care of everything. It's hard to explain because, man, you come out there for for pregame warm ups. You like, man. (laughs) And then uh, as soon as the blood gets rushing, you take your first hit. Before you know it, you're so locked into the game that the, the elements kind of kind of wither away as it goes along. Now, you go and sit down on the sideline where defense is on the field. You toes start to get a little nipply, fingers start to tingle a little bit more. But uh, man, it's just one of those things where uh, you kind of you understand that you're bred for this. You're bred to play in any type of condition because this is the sport that you love. The sport. This is what you do. Uh, and I wish I had a, a clear cut answer on how I do it, but uh, I, I don't. My last question for you. When I say the word Darren Sproles or the name Darren Sproles, what do you think? Blueprint. Hmm. He's the blueprint for hmm. as far as a five six running back, uh, undersized guy. He's the blueprint. You saw what he did at Kansas State in the fifteen years in the National Football League. He's the blueprint. He's the person that if you're a five six running back, a five seven undersized running back, he's who you watch. He's who you study. He's the person that did it, and did it efficiently for a long time so why wouldn't you want to why wouldn't you want to take after him and man to be able to meet him talk to him pick his brain i mean up utmost fortunate for all of that and to have him in my corner it's uh it's surreal darren was that dude when i was in high school and i thought i would never see another tailback that reminds me of him and what he was kind of able to accomplish so i want to thank you for giving me that thrill of being able to watch another undersized tailback so they say go be great dude's fine Thanks so much, man. I appreciate you. Okay, that wraps up our first episode from Big 12 Media Days. We'll be back with Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian, running back B. John Robinson, and linebacker DeMarvion Overshone, as well as the rest of the Big 12. Remember, subscribe to the number one ranked show wherever you get your podcasts.